get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. On a Friday, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Gary Davis and Bradford Bruns pinch hitting today for Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalzer. Jamie will be with us live from Seattle in a little bit. He's at the rink right now gathering some intel, no doubt, on tonight's Blues and Kraken game and the Kraken. Uh, interesting matchup tonight, especially with the way the Blues have been playing. They, they had the 4-3 victory Wednesday at the league-leading Vancouver Canucks as Braden Shen scored at 154 of overtime. And then you had the previous win against the Flames. So the road trip continues, and that's going to be an interesting matchup. So we'll talk about the Blues and Kraken game when Jamie joins us in the 3 o'clock hour. We're also going to talk a little Cardinals today, our, our mic drop theme, if you would. Four weeks, four weeks from tomorrow, what spring training will be here. Is that soon? Who's got the most to prove? You could you could do a position player. You could do Ollie. You could do one player. You could do the entire damn organization. Hey, todos, all, everyone. Is that what it? Todos. 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 Everyone. Everything. I only all. know piso mojado. Piso mojado. Yeah, and un sacapuntas. <laughs> ah. Yeah, piso mojado is of course wet floor. You see that a lot. <laughs> you know I don't speak Spanish. On the signs, you see piso mojado on the signs. And un sacapuntas, pencil sharpener. Just sounded dirty when I was taking Spanish. You learned that. And then retaking it. And then retaking it again. They say that's the easiest language. I didn't feel that way. Well, English is the hardest language. Sure. Got it. Knife definitely makes sense. The key is starting at that young, young age, guys. Anthony. Your kiddos. I mean, hey, yeah. get them going. They're probably speaking Spanish all around the household right now, I'm aren't sure they? I'm with maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Possibly. So who so who has the most to prove? So you leave us a mic drop via the 101 ESPN app. Who's got the most to prove as we're four weeks from tomorrow away from spring training? Of course, it's championship Sunday weekend. Oh, man. Can't wait for these two matchups. They're going to be fantastic. I think both games are going to be... I think both games are going to be close. It's not that's not saying a whole lot, but the more I look at this this Kansas City Baltimore matchup, and I know we've got a lot of Chiefs fans in the area, you're not going to like me saying this, but I, I hate the fact that Isaiah Pacheco is still banged up here. I think the key to victory for them, Kerry, is going to be running the football. If Baltimore does have a weakness, it it's the run defense. They play a very light box because Mike McDonald likes to utilize the he likes to disguise his blitzes mm-hmm. and things. A lot of times you're going to face a lighter box. Yeah. Will Andy Reid stick with the run? Will Pacheco be healthy? Will Pacheco be effective? You might get one of those things. I don't know if you're going to get all three. 
ahead that, of Sunday. That is the tough part. I mean, Andy Reid has done a better job of, you know, running the football in, in times where they need to. If Pacheco is banged up and it's a toe injury, correct? If it's a – listen, I've – turf toe? I've had a couple of injuries that I think are some of the worst injuries that you could have. One is a bruised tailbone. I highly do not recommend at all. It's terrible. The other one is a turf toe. Because you don't realize how much you need your toe until you can't push off of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of pain. So if he's dealing with that, if he's dealing with some pain in that, I mean, obviously, you get you get the good meds. I t tell you about that pregame. <laughs> go in the room. Get taken care of. You're good to go. But depends on how well or how sore it really is. If it's if it's painful to the point where the, even the medicine doesn't help, you know, that could be a problem. That could be problematic for the uh, for the Chiefs. And Kerry, given Pacheco's brutal style, yeah. his ability to be that vicious cutter, doesn't it play even more of a factor in the Chiefs' approach? Yeah, he picks him up and puts him down. I mean, you 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 enjoy watching him run the football because he every single run he runs the ball like this is his last run ever. <laughs> like that's how that's I what makes him fun. That's it, it. Like this could be the if this is the. First and only time you'll ever see me. This is going to be the hardest run you've ever seen. That's how he runs the ball every single time. I, for one, appreciate that because, you know, some guys can take a carry off or take a playoff. I'm not, nothing. Okay, I'm going to get down. He runs the football like I may never get another chance to run this football again. And that, to me, is a thing of beauty. Debo Samuel, and by the way, Isaiah Pacheco did return to practice today, but he is dealing with ankle and toe issues. It sounds like he's going to play. Joe Tooney is the other injury there that the Chiefs might have some concerns with. I, I highly doubt that he he doesn't play. Like, I, I, I see Joe Tooney suiting up for that one. Everybody's playing. Everyone's available. Everyone, if they can go, will go. Whatever issues you're having, I mean, you'll get uh, two weeks off after this weekend's game. And so you will figure out a way to make something happen this weekend. And then you'll you'll figure out how to make something happen. If you're fortunate enough to play in the Super Bowl, you'll figure out how to make it happen then as well. And that applies to Debo Samuel. So the latest on Debo Samuel is that NFC Championship game is the second kickoff on Championship Sunday. It's now down to whether or not he can tolerate the pain on Sunday with the shoulder injury, which I'm sure he's going to give it a go. That's all these injuries are. How much pain can you tolerate? I, that's essentially what football is, especially, you know, week 13 and on how much pain can you withstand because after a while you know it doesn't matter no one's healthy you get a shoulder injury i told you there's a, a needle that they can stick in that ac joint that'll relieve all of that pain and so you just it's about pain tolerance can you mentally get over the pain because it's going to hurt like hell it's going to hurt while you're playing it's going to hurt when you get done but the the satisfaction that you get from being able to call yourself a world champion, there is nothing that can replace that. So these men will, I, I'm sure Debo is going to play. How effective will he be? I don't know. The first time he get hit on that shoulder, eh, it might be, might be too much. And but Stoltz, he's going to play. <laughs> even yep. though I don't think any of us would argue here that of the remaining four teams, Detroit possesses the weakest defense across the board. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is that the 49ers this season, that proof is in the proverbial pudding. 30-plus points per game. Per game with Debo in the lineup, the handful of games he has missed, 18. He is that much of a different playmaker there. Yeah, he's he's that, that chess piece that you wanna he he spreads everything out, right? Like if you wanna go if you wanna play positionless football, you can use Debo in a variety of ways. We've talked about this. You can line him up out wide, you can line up in the slot, you can line him up in the backfield. And the defense 
continues to look at different formations, and the 49ers will run similar plays. So they'll just they'll just throw different different variations at you. Right. It's the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Detroit has a really good run defense. To think that Christian McCaffrey one isn't going to be he- heavily involved, and two is is going to be somehow shut down. Forget <laughs> it. They'll they'll use him in a variety of ways. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey is perfect playing out of the slot, quite frankly, in Kyle Shanahan's offense. But if you take Debo out of it. They still, they still have Kittle. They still have Ayuk. They still have, you know, Jennings played well last week. None of them are Debo Samuel from the standpoint of you can move him around, that movable right. piece that allows the other players to do their thing. They put Jawan Jennings in the backfield to get a carry last week, and, and I forget who was doing the game, but it's like, I'm certain he didn't do that in practice this week. That was a right. play for Debo Samuel. You know, it, it changes. It just changes so many things when a great player, one of your best players is out. And so if Debo is unable to, like I said, I'm sure he's going to play, but how much can he play? It, it will impact that offense because they do so much. When you're able to move a receiver into the backfield and the receiver and the running back out to the slot, you now know what coverage they're in. They're in zone. It makes life easier, and so you can figure out where the ball needs to go based on the coverage. If you if you move them out of the back, because you're not going to put a corner in the box because they will run the ball with Debo Samuel. So, obviously, it's not man-to-man. So, it just changes. You know, they do so much with their formations and with their schemes. If Debo Samuel is unable to play, it it, it, it will impact them. The kickoff of both games, 2 o'clock is the Chiefs-Ravens AFC Championship, and then 5.30, and who knows? I mean, if they get overtime in the first game, this this is this is a movable object here. But 5.30 is the kickoff for the NFC Championship between the Lions and the 49ers. We'll, we will have some official picks by the time we sign off today. We'll, uh, we'll talk about maybe some prop plays that we like, things like that throughout the course of the show. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. All right. Cardinals, we ask for your mic drops. Four weeks from tomorrow is spring training, the opening of spring training. Who's got the most to prove in your eyes? We'll give you ours. You send in your mic drops, and we'll, we'll do that throughout the course of the show as well. Again, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So we asked today throughout the course of the show, Fastlane on 101 ESPN, with spring training a week from tomorrow, or four weeks, excuse me, four weeks from tomorrow, who's got the most to prove? Leave us a mic drop. I'm interested to know your thoughts because you can you could take this in a variety of ways. You can hone in on one individual player. It's not the route I'm going to go. You can also just hone in on one individual, whether it's Mo or Ollie. You go that route. Talk about the entire pitching set. Whatever whatever it is that you want to highlight, what is going to be the position group or maybe the player that, that will have the most to prove when we're talking about spring training coming up in, in four weeks or so? What about for you, Kerry? I, I think it's a simple answer for me, and it's going to have to be the person that they signed to be the ace of this staff, Sonny Gray. I mean, not that he hasn't proven – enough in his career but coming over and being the uh you know coming over from Minnesota and being the player that everyone has been last year what didn't go (laughs) at all like you thought it would so being the player that you signed to be your number one to be your ace to be your opening day starter I think he has the most to prove because that's the position that was most in need last year 
What about for you, Bradford? Carrie, I thought you were going to go out on a limb there and say bringing in a Blake Snell, for example. The ace hasn't arrived, has it yet? Oh, wishful thinking, right? (laughs) Wishful thinking. I will go in a different direction insofar as I think this is not an individual who's going to be in danger of missing the opening day roster should he have a subpar spring training. But I firmly believe that you need to see some consistency, a lot of consistency, especially at the plate, from one Mason win. Because... Mm. If you are truly handing over the reins defensively, offensively, if you're trying to, I think, cultivate that new identity for your lineup, and make no mistake about it, I was on a couple of weeks ago with Alex and BK, Midday Show, and we were talking about how no other team, no other contending team, you can make the argument in the National League, is relying on so many older linchpins on offense. Goldschmidt, 36, obviously aging. Arenado now, 32. Even Contreras is 31. So that next wave, so to speak, Newpar, Walker and specifically a guy like Mason Wynn. You want to see him hit well enough and hit well enough in spring so that he's not carrying that albatross basically going into the year because you know the defense is going to be there Mm -hmm. but if you're hitting him at the bottom part of the lineup, he's able to get on base specifically enough. I don't care about the average. I want to see him getting on base so that he can utilize that speed. To me that needs to begin when it comes to next month. This is one of those questions that that really doesn't have a bad answer when you're coming off of the season and the, that the Cardinals had a year ago. But I am going to go to the front office. I'm going to oh. go Mo. I think Mo is the most approved. Now, he's mm. he's not going to be able to prove it on the field. But at, we, we can sit here and talk all we want about Ali and what he does and what he does with the lineup and what he does with his bullpen decisions and all that. That's, that, that's certainly a factor. But there's only so much he can do with the roster that is at his disposal. Mm. He might be the chef, and he still needs to eat. At the end of the day, he's got to... He's got to cook up a good meal for everybody. But what are the ingredients that he's he's allowed to use? Yeah. And if you're Mo and you're saying, horrible season last year. We know we have to do a whole bunch of things with the pitching staff. I'm going to bring in Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson because they're going to eat innings. And we're, we're going to focus more on that part of the game or that, that part of the pitching right. where everybody else is saying, ah, innings, we're okay with if you go five and dive. But we're going to bring in these guys. Well, they better work out. You're, out, you're kind of out of time here. And if, you, if it doesn't work out, are you going to be patient or are you going to strike knowing that you didn't do enough in the offseason again? Is it, is it fair to say that – what Mo had to prove is already done. Like the the hay is in the barn. There is nothing else. I mean, the guys have to perform because yeah. you brought them here. But what more could he do in terms of other than maybe adding somebody else? Right. But they they are not going to do that because they've said it. You know, it's a good question. So I would still put it on Mo. Okay. Because if you bring in these guys, you bring in these veterans, or you roll the dice again on Stephen Matz. And it's not panning out. What are you going to do about it? You still have internal options. What moves you're going to make in season if the if things start to slip from you? And and, yeah. and do you have the your your thumb on the pulse here, your finger on the pulse to know I have got to make a move that is going to change the direction of the of where we're going here in 2024. I, if we have to make that move. It's going to be another long season. But it's part of if it, you right? Have to, well, I, I think if you have to veer off the path, 
because you're, you're clearly going in the wrong direction. The, the the move should be more along, you know, just easy. Oh, you know what? We we the exit is coming up. We'll, we'll get off here. But if you have to pass the exit and put it in reverse, oh crap! Oh, right. Get over from four lanes to try to get off on the exit. Go in the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> like that to me is an example of you 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 weren't you weren't prepared and you didn't do it right to start. But don't miss the exit. Don't miss it. Don't fly I, past it then. All right? Don't yeah. fly past it and then say, ah, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> you better than go into the ditch or do whatever you have to do. Because last year it went sideways and you still had. I mean, no, but, no, Anthony, they were going the wrong way. They were going east. They should have been going west. Like, sure. They were going north and should have been going south. They, they and, were. And now they've got other pieces to say we're, we're heading back in the right direction. Well, are you? Because if. If you if you can recognize that you're not, and then you didn't do enough in the offseason again, there are there are no excuses. Yeah. This is this is the third offseason in which you said we're good, we got our needs needs met, solid. Let's go, let's roll, let's play some ball. I'm not. I'm. I, I, last year, last year was frustrating. This year, this year I'm gonna be pissed. So, I, I, are you? Based off of spring training, will that give you a glimpse, or do you no, need to see? No, no, no. Do you need to see how this first month of the season plays out? Because to start the season, they got some they got some heavy hitters exactly. to start the season off. So if you're not able to have success in the first, let's say first three series, you got L.A., you got San Diego, you got Miami. Let's go first four series: L.A., San Diego, Miami, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. If you're not successful, or or at least at or above 500 at that point you you are you are what so this is i realize this is a bit arbitrary mm-hmm. but there you'll know it when you know it okay you know i'm going mean, i'm going to do the unfair thing okay but i'm going to i'm going to do it for a reason i'm not going to say yeah you got 15 games or yeah you got 30 games you know it when you know it you know what i did or did not do is going to lead to failures and i've i've got to make a move not a panic move but one that, that's that's with with urgency, and it mm-hmm. may just be Stephen Matz relegated to the pen and bringing up one of these young guys that had a that had a good spring training, or that you recognize can give you a spark. I don't want to see them sit on their hands, wait until the All Star break or the trade deadline, and then start to make moves if what they did do in the off season bears out in the first first month of the season or so. And frankly. Is that not what you want in terms of internal developments anyway? You mentioned, Anthony, let's just say that for whatever reason, first month of the season, Kerry, you stated there's no luxury here of easing into the schedule. You have the Dodgers, you have the Padres, okay, up in the air, but thereafter, how about the Philadelphia Phillies Mm -hmm. and the Arizona Arizona Diamondbacks? There is no real margin here for air in terms of sliding behind in the standings. So if you have not acquired the requisite guys you need in the rotation to be dominant. Okay, you required or you were able to acquire bodies. That's wonderful. But let's say that Steven Matz does blow up or you're not able to see the consistency you would like from him. It's not a bad thing if in spring training somebody like Zach Thompson, who gave you a shot in the arm, a necessary one in the second half of last season, if he shows out, great. And that's where I do think you can take some tangible results from spring action. Mm. Because if you're seeing that specifically from somebody like Zach Thompson, you're going to need him at one point or another yeah, they, this year. First of all, great point. Look, this isn't a novel concept here. Brandon Donovan had a nice spring training. He parlayed that into 
a, a, a spot on the roster mm-hmm. and then right. parlayed that into a successful rookie season. Tommy Edmond came up. I don't know. I don't know quite when it was. It might have been July or something at, at maybe 2019 when he came up. And when he did, he made an impact. This isn't a, a a crazy idea here that I'm coming up with. It's like, well, we we need to make a, an early move. This is quite frankly, this is what the Brewers do incredibly well. When we got John Lester and Jay Happ at the deadline, the Brewers made the deal for Willie Adamas like a month and a half before that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait to the deadline. I think, quite frankly, there's there's. There's not enough urgency sometimes with the Cardinals. And I like the fact that when the, when the offseason started, Mo did had those two signings done almost immediately. I like that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Can you have that sense of urgency during the regular season too? I haven't seen it a lot from they, them. They feel more like a uh, a crockpot team as opposed to a microwave. You're absolutely right. Hey, but coming off the last year, you better get that crock. You better put the crockpot away. You got to let it stew for, for five no. hours, Anthony. No. You don't Fire have... up the grill. Puppy's going to get hot. Let's go. Not waiting 12 hours. It takes some time, for the meal. For, quite frankly, a meal that tastes the same. <laughs> It takes tastes so much better when you let it sit there and any marinate. chicken. I, 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 listen, I'll fight people on this. <laughs> any chicken crockpot recipe that always tastes the same, and but and save it too. If you're like, oh no, you haven't tried my uh, white bean chicken chili. I don't care. Let them cook. <laughs> if Literally. it's a chicken recipe, it's out of a crockpot. They all taste the same. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> Bradford, are we getting some mic drops? Slowly but surely. All right, so bring him up, bring him on in. We're going to do this throughout the course of the show today. It's our mic drop theme. Four weeks from tomorrow, the Cardinals will open up spring training. Who has the most to prove in spring training? Or just, I, I use the the approach with Mo of like early in the season. Mm-hmm. He's got something to prove. Leave us a mic drop. Again, we'll do that throughout the course of the show today. Bill Belichick is probably not going to get a head coaching job this season and some of the reports out of from the fallout in atlanta tell us why mm. that's next on 101 warm weather means homework for homeowners and if your homework means a new deck then turn to the deck experts at hackman lumber browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in missouri at hackman lumber company talk with their experts about treated lumber cedar timber tech trex envision azek and decorators to find the best deck for you check out endless choices of railings balusters and led deck lighting options hackman lumber company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed you can choose to do it yourself with hackman's expert advice or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department too with brushes, rollers, painters tape and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We were on the air yesterday when the news came out that the Falcons hired or were set to hire Raheem Morris, the former defensive coordinator for the Rams. They know him very well. I think he spent a, a total of five years in Atlanta. He's, he was a wide receivers coach at one point, then moved back over to the defensive side under Dan Quinn. He was their interim head coach when Dan Quinn was fired in 2020 after, I think, five or six weeks. Raheem Morris did a really nice job mm-hmm. as the interim coach. He had 11 games. He went 4-7, and seven, but it's not like the Falcons were any good. But there was a couple of those games, including the Chiefs might uh, Chiefs fans might remember this, where the Falcons went into Arrowhead and, and gave Patrick Mahomes a hard time. Raheem Morris knows his X's and O's. Yeah. He, he communicates very well. Apparently Kyle Shanahan called the Falcons on Raheem Morris's behalf. Sean McVay did the same thing. There's a lot of people that were saying, hey, it's time to give Raheem Morris another opportunity. Right. So if you like look at this in a vacuum and say, was was Raheem Morris a good hire? I don't think there's really any question. And this is coming from a guy that that has often said, get the offensive play caller so you don't have to make several hires all at once. Mm-hmm. Dan Campbell has proven or has shown that if you're a good head coach and you can make smart hires, smart decisions, you get a team that believes in you, it doesn't really matter what side of the ball you coach. Right. But, of course, the bigger question is why did they pass on – one of, if not the greatest head coaches in NFL history, to hire another defensive guy. I mean, if we were just going to shake it, shake it down like that. Yeah. And some of the reports that are coming out give us an indication as to why. Apparently, Bill wanted Rich McKay out. <laughs> Rich McKay is basically Arthur Blank's sec, you know, second-hand guy. He's, yeah. he's, he's the next guy in charge, right? So you got Blank, Arthur Blank, the owner, who wanted to hire Belichick. The reports are he was all set to, mm-hmm. went through the first interview with him, was ready to go, and then when Bill met with Rich McKay and some of the other members of the Atlanta front office that was, con- that was conducting all these interviews, they were like, yeah, this guy wants total control over of the course. entire organization, and we have no idea how long he's going to coach. <laughs> Yeah, of course he did. I mean, he he's he's Bill Belichick. That that's sure. what he You've is accustomed right. to. Correct. I I thought it would be more of when you're sitting there and you're saying so so Bill who who you who you gonna bring in as your OC? Oh, Josh McDaniels. Well, that was way too excited. But you you use way too much inflection with your Bill. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh, Josh McDaniels. The Josh McDaniels that just got canned from Las Vegas. That's correct. The same one that. Said he was going to be the Colts head coach and just said no. We're not talking about what about the one that was in in Denver that didn't it didn't work out for him either there. What what's your point? Okay, Uh, well, Bill, you know what that that's fine. What about your DC? Who who are you thinking? My son. Which son? One of them. 
The one that sticks his tongue out in the middle of games? Yeah, I don't know his name. Okay. We don't either, Bill. I don't know how this is going to work. You bringing Matt Patricia in too? Of course. The same Matt Patricia that just got fired from left the Eagles? He was brought yeah. in to be the D.C. halfway through the season? Yeah, he's going to he's gonna coach defense the, the and, one, and wide receivers. The one that is in was in Detroit and he was the head coach and didn't do a great job at all him? That's correct. He's going to coach receivers. <laughs> Holy smokes. You know what, Bill? Pleasure talking with you. We'll see it. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're having fun, but if you're Bill Belichick, I mean, think about that. Think about what the interviews was like. He just sat down and he goes, yeah, I've won, I've, I've won a lot in the NFL. But think- what, have, what have you done recently? Uh, and maybe you don't, you don't post it that way, but you say, hey, what, do, what are you going to do with this roster? Right? Like, okay, so the, the last couple of years in New England, mm-hmm. things went sideways, no problem. You're still the same guy that reinvented things consistently yeah. with Tom Brady. Like you and re you every 4 years you were reinventing the roster based on where the NFL is. What are you going to do right now? And he just goes, "Yeah, I'll figure it out." I I feel like Bill came into that meeting and just did this. And that was all six of his rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And walked out. <laughs> you, you have you have none of these. You have none Here you of these. go. Yeah. And, and what do you say? You know, he pro right. He probably went in there because he 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 knows his resume. It's Atlanta. Yeah. It's the Falcons that you've done. You have been irrelevant. You were irrelevant until 2018. Then you became a meme. Yeah. Like, who are you to tell me no? <laughs> and, the, and the Falcons go, ah, I don't know if we're getting the bill that was energized no. for you know probably the first not. half of that dynasty or we're still getting the bill that from the last couple of years that had horrendous drafts yeah because they were terrible kept bringing back the same the same guy you know he's surly he's my way or the highway yeah I, I just, do you want to take that risk i don't think you would and i think and we talked about it atlanta is not a city that it, it doesn't feel like bill belichick would fit in that culture or that city like that city is a you think of mike vick and how he electrified that entire city the 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 dirty birds when they had Jamal Anderson that, mm-hmm. like that's the the Atlanta Falcons it's fun it's up tempo it's beat Dion yes. it's upbeat flashy that, it, yeah it, it's not we're on Cincinnati right it, it's not you know we're not gonna talk about it we don't care about that it, that does not feel like the Atlanta the Atlanta Falcons had a did the fiftieth um, hip hop. Uh, reunion, not the 50 years of hip hop. They invited all of the rappers from Atlanta to the Falcons game. <laughs> they performed at halftime, man. Like, this is not. <laughs> right. That ain't Bill Belichick. No. Like, it's Bill's a, not listening to Luda. <laughs> no. Luda. Luda who? T I? What is that? Not, right. I, that's what Atlanta football is, and so you know Atlanta Falcon football is, and so they they I feel like they hired a coach that meshes well with that organization. And Bill Belichick may be on the outside looking in, trying to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. what the next opportunity is, if there is a next opportunity. Well, that's that's the question, right? Like, is he going to get – it's not going to be this year. Washington reportedly is set on Bed Johnson, the OC for the um, mm-hmm. Lions. Yep. And if you're the Seahawks, you Boy. just told Pete Carroll to go upstairs. Back. Yeah, call him back. You're So what – what Seattle told us without telling us is that they're ready for something new, fresh, and young. That's what. That, why else would you let go of Pete Carroll? Would you tell Pete Carroll, right. hey, we got a different job for you? 
you're not going to bring in Bill Belichick. No. So Mike Vrabel is still sitting out there. Mike Vrabel. Well, that's the other thing that's interesting. Because when Vrabel was let go, the conversation we had was Belichick, Harbaugh, Vrabel, greatest coaching cycle ever. Yes. And all these teams go, hold my beer. <laughs> and Carolina says, Canales, we got you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You did a good job for a year. Come on down. But that guy, Brian Callahan, is calling plays in Tennessee. He, he hadn't called plays he hadn't in called five plays years. in Cincinnati. <laughs> they hired the 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 guy that's not calling plays from because Cincinnati he was a, because he was the OC. Yes, that didn't call plays. Correct. Huh? That's okay. you are our guy. So intriguing. Yeah. So for Belichick, you're probably at this point waiting for like Dallas to open up, which would be next year because they're bringing McCarthy back. Sure. I don't feel like Dallas would be as fit for him either because, no, because how, are you going to, how are you going to out-control Jerry Jones? You, you know what would have been they the best fired spot? A coach B. He fired a coach because of that. You know what would have been the best spot, Where? honestly? Even with even with Tepper and Carolina, Tepper just goes, you do whatever you want. You just report to me. <laughs> it, wouldn't be, it would be the same thing with Kraft. Yeah. Hey, do your thing. I don't care who you fire. I just want, I just want a, a winner. I, I just thought about something. Does Dennis Allen still have a job? Yes. How? Well, he... No. You know, he was... It just dawned on me. I'm like, he was there. <laughs> you jettison the OC. Allen I, stays. Honestly, I could see that with as spiteful as Belichick is. I could see I could see the Saints firing Dennis Allen and Bill goes, I'll take that job. <laughs> I get to face Atlanta twice a year. Dennis Allen is, is 24 and 46 in his uh, five years as a head coach. I don't know what the I don't know what the math is on that, but that doesn't sound like a good win percentage. He's, he was he's sixteen and eighteen in New Orleans. Oh, there that, you go. So he's only two games under five hundred. That matters. Yeah, that's not great. Carrie, I'm interested in this from you because to me, for the last few seasons, Dennis Allen has almost felt like a version of a different version, very, very slightly different than Smith, though, in Atlanta, insofar as that franchise, that city, does it not need a comparable level of enthusiasm to go from Peyton to him? Yeah, Sean Peyton had that. that I, I don't know. I don't know what he, he – I don't know. He, he will, If he hasn't gotten fired yet, which obviously he hadn't, he, they, they had a winning record. I don't know how that happened. They play in the they South. They were in NFC South. They had the they they did they had the weakest them and the Falcons had the uh, weakest schedule. Well, if he doesn't league. finish above five hundred, if they're six games six games in and they're two and four, he might get fired. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Bill will have to likely wait a year and then we'll see what happens. But man, this is this is not how I thought everything was going to play out in the NFL, but that's what also makes this league fascinating to follow. What's trending is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Back in the fast lane on 101 ESPN as we edge ever closer to the 3 o'clock hour. Anthony Stalter, Kerry Davis, I am Bradford Bruns. Gentlemen, let's get into it. Tonight's hockey matchup 
in the great Pacific Northwest, about which we'll talk more as the show goes along. And we have Jamie on board. The Blues facing off against the Kraken, a team that hasn't been especially good of late, whereas the Blues looking for win number four in a row. Jordan Bennington expected to start between the pipes. And from an offensive standpoint, guys, Braden Shin has been going off as of late. The overtime game winner the other night against Vancouver. And tonight, you have to avoid really that chance, the temptation of maybe suffering a bit of a letdown against a team that is lower echelon than the Canucks. Yeah, boy, I hope not, right? Because if you're the Blues at this point, you you have wins against the Flames and the Canucks on the road. You've got three now in the la- in your last three because you, you throw in the the three nothing victory over the Capitals. Like sustain this, keep going. I don't. Do they have a four game winning streak? No, not this year. I mean, come on. Now Pretty now's sure. the time to compile it. So I I don't care how well or poorly the Kraken is playing or, or playing. You you got to start to get on a bit of a run here if you're the Blues. Yeah, now is the the time. It's an opportunity. You are playing extremely well. You are chasing teams down in the division, trying to make it to the number two seed in the in the, in the playoffs in the wild card. And so, <clears throat> just an opportunity, another opportunity to go out there and do, handle your business. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. The the All Star break is on the way. You're going to get plenty of time to rest. Exert all of that energy. No need to save any of it. Take care of your business. Go out there and continue to play well. And hopefully, hopefully you'll see another victory tonight. It's about digging for that inner resolve, right? Especially when how much did we hear, guys, as the calendar flipped from 2023 into 2024? You had the gauntlet of upper-level Eastern Conference teams, right? You've made it through that gauntlet. Mm -hmm. So now it is an opportunity to maybe pick apart a couple of those lesser teams and really hit the brick running. And and if you're the Blues, you you have no business looking down any opponent. You're, you're right there. You're what four four games above 500 at this point, right? Is that the first? That might be the first time all year as well. You're 24. So. Yeah, so you got yeah. 50. You got 50 points. You shouldn't be looking down anybody. Yeah. At this point, I, I don't care if it's Columbus. I don't care if it's San Jose or Anaheim or whoever. I mean, this is this. You're you're a team that is trying to find its game on a week in and week out basis, if not a game to game basis. It's definitely game to game until they show the consistency to do it, which, again, they have been doing a really good job these last three games. You hope that that can continue, but you need to continue to see it. And you talked about the last game. They almost gave it back. Mm -hmm. They tried to give it back to the Canucks, but they were able to fight their way through the game against the Flames. They were down. They were able to find a way to win that game. They've won a couple of games where – Early in the season, they lost. They lost both of those games. You're down three to one to the Flames. Game's over. Like it's not happening. Mm. You're you're up three to one, I believe, against the Canucks, and they tied the game. <laughs> right, we're gonna lose in overtime. Like those were the thoughts of the sediments prior to really the the, the change of, of Craig Berube. And so there has been a shift, and hopefully they can continue this good work because. When you play bad teams or teams that are as good as the teams you have beaten up on, you have to win those games. Mm-hmm. So get out there. Jake Neighbors, get you another one. Keep going. <laughs> I'm picking you again. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> 
football. Lead we're, the team. We're what, guys? About 47 <laughs> hours now from Championship Sunday. Can you feel it? Let's go. Let that enthusiasm surge, right? Well, the Baltimore Ravens, that fan base, probably feeling that much more optimistic given today's announcement. Mark Andrews, star tight end, has been activated from injured reserve. Actually hasn't been out there on the field. Lower body concerns since November the 16th, giving Jackson another weapon with which to play. And considering, Anthony, really the degree to which Baltimore and that offense, specifically mm-hmm. as you get closer, I think, to the red zone, loves to run a ton of those crossing patterns. Right now, the second level of Kansas City's defense, probably a bit more susceptible given the injuries and so forth. This is big-time news. If I'm if I'm Baltimore, I want to use both these tight ends because Isaiah Likely has been sensational. So if you if you play double tight against Kansas City, they're going to have to bring on another linebacker. I'd rather face Kansas City's extra linebacker than their extra DB. Mm-hmm. They do it. Kansas City has typically done a great job against the wide receivers. You did not have a great game last week from a wide receiver standpoint. If you're Baltimore, you know Zay Flowers was quiet. Mm-hmm. Isaiah likely had the touchdown, but he's he's a tight end. Rashad Bateman had a couple of catches. Odell Beckham was a ghost. You didn't really have much. So I I think an interesting strategy for for Baltimore in this game would be to use both guys. You'll probably see some sets where they're both on the field, but Mark Andrews being healthy and ready to go, that's a difference maker. Like yeah. that that changes the game, the game plan for Spags because having a tight end beat up a, a beat up your defense over the middle, trying to create pressure, and now you're leaving a, a, a great tight end in Mark Andrews one on one with a safety or a nickel corner, like it's t- or a linebacker. It is a mismatch. He's bigger than the DBs. He's going to be faster and stronger or faster than most of the linebackers. It's an uncomfortable position to be put in, and you haven't seen him for seven or eight weeks now. For if, if you're watching film, obviously they can go back. They know who he is. They know what he does. But this is this is you know <laughs> when you're a kid, I, I, you have a my, my cousin used to have a blanket. She used to carry it everywhere with her. That's that's Lamar's blankie. Like he knows I can throw this ball to this guy. He's coming down with it. Mm-hmm. And he started to create that that familiarity with with Isaiah Likely. But he ain't Mark Andrews. As good as he has been, he's not. So this to me just gives Baltimore a shot in the arm. Like like Bradford said, it gives them an opportunity to be more explosive, more dangerous. And if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you should be a little bit nervous that Mark Andrews is back on the field and he's healthy. Those two, Lamar and Andrews, came into the league together back in 2018, have been pretty much inseparable ever since. Quick backfield question, and no, I'm not talking about Dalvin Cook here. Has Justice Hill carry, in your estimation, in the playoffs thus far and in the back half of the regular season, the second half of the schedule, has he flashed enough burst, enough wiggle to be able to put him in the mix next year with Dobbins, given the uncertainty regarding him? I, I told Anthony that I thought that Dalvin Cook would be the one that eventually started getting more opportunities because he is a veteran. He has done it at a high level. Losing Keaton Mitchell earlier in the year when he went down, he was their explosive back. He was the guy you can get the ball to, and he's going to outrun people and be just quicker, faster, more explosive. Gus Edwards, Gus Bus, love him. He's going he's gonna to score down by the goal line. Plotting, he's gonna, though. He's going to – it just doesn't feel – as explosive in the running game since Mitchell went out. And that, to me, can be problematic, but you add an extra element when you have your quarterback that can run as well. So, you know, you put the defense at a disadvantage when that quarterback, it's just an extra blocker, an extra person in the scheme that that most defenses cannot, you know, do anything with. Mm. 
All right, we're uh, we're gonna talk a little blues hockey with our guy Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, Jamie. I always say that for teasing Jr. Uh, Jamie, Jamie Rivers is gonna join us next. We'll talk about the Kraken and the Blues matchup as the Blues go for four straight tonight in Seattle. Again, Jamie will join us next here on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. Tonight. The Blues will take on the Kraken in Seattle. Blues go for four straight. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 301. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion. And now Jamie Rivers, who joins us live from his Seattle hotel room. Uh, Jamie, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, Andy. How are you doing? <laughs> what? Oh, because well, I, I heard tease. You, people Dude, called Jamie. me right away. Said you called me the wrong name. I yeah. pulled you up like you wouldn't believe. Right. People care, Anthony. They think it's disrespectful. <laughs> what do you think, Corey? <laughs> well played. Well played. Uh, I hit my head a lot. Uh, Jamie, happens. you know oh, that. I know, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I know. All right, so uh, Jamie, when when you're looking at this matchup tonight, what's what's kind of the main storyline for you? I mean, I feel like every time we play recently, it's like, well, oh, it's a big game. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I know they're all big games. You're right. Uh, this one here, what stands out to me is obviously, uh, you know, the standings are crazy tight right now in the Western Conference, especially surrounding the wild card or the wild cards plural spot but uh tonight this is a fast team seattle plays fast and you know the buzzwords we always talk about puck management or puck placement that's going to be huge tonight if the blues turn over the pucks in the neutral zone or at the far blue line watch seattle they are one pass away from a scoring chance every single time the puck goes from the blue line to the far blue line in a heartbeat and they're in on the offense so if the blues to me don't limit the turnovers. It's going to be a long night of playing a lot of defensive hockey, which wears you down. You know, I know that uh, they had a day off yesterday, but regardless of the fact, it has been an extended road trip. They did play back-to-back games against a physical team in Calgary, a physical team in Vancouver, and now you've got a really fast team here. You want to try and make the game as easy as possible for yourself by turning the puck over against a team that turns it up the ice in a hurry, mm-hmm. that's not the way to do it. So tonight for the Blues, for me, what I'm going to be watching immediately is how they manage the puck, what they do with it in a neutral zone. Because in Calgary, we saw what happens. If you don't manage a puck properly, in Calgary's nothing compared to Seattle when it comes to transition game. Yeah, It'll be a long night if they don't manage it well. Jamie, it's been a good road trip for them. Starting in this road trip, they were, I guess, three or four teams in front of them for the two seed, and now they're right behind Nashville, uh, three points behind them. Do the players keep track of that and understand, you know, how important these these uh, these games are in terms of where they are? I don't think so. And hear me out here, okay? It's otherwise it can be daunting. Especially right now, the way, like, the Blues were one point behind the other night, and then last night, Nashville wins another three points behind. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to ride that emotional roller coaster. I wouldn't anyways. Like, as a player, I never looked at the standings. I just focused on the next game that we had to play. And for the most part, I think that's what the boys are doing here, is they're focused on playing Seattle. And the one thing that they're trying to prohibit themselves from doing is looking beyond these next couple of games because they have a 10-day break. And we're human beings. It's hard not to start talking about, hey, man, I'm going to Costa Rica. Or, hey, I'm going to the Bahamas. <laughs> like, 
you get excited about crap like that. It's human being stuff. Yeah. But so for me, I, I don't see this team staring at the standings. I, I see the coaching staff, obviously keeping track of that and uh, watching all the teams every night that are in and around that wild card spot that you're coveting so much. But as a player, Kerry, you know, it's just keep rolling. Mm-hmm. Put your pads on, go out there, do your job. So Braden Shen, Jamie, Braden Shen, his goal in each of his past three games. So so he's hot right now. And I think that when it comes to hockey or baseball, you just get these stretches where you you're either hot or cold or you're just kind of, you know, basically trending uh, or treading water. Excuse me. But when it when it comes to Braden Shen. Do you think, do, do you agree with that? Do you think it's just a hot streak for Braden Shen at this point? Or have you seen something specifically in his in his game that has allowed him to find more goals of late? Because it's not like he was filling up the stat, stat sheet before. Good, consistent player, but now he's filling up the stat sheet. Yeah, I think that for Braden Shen, it's just continuing to play the way he needs to play. You know, you, you look at his ideal <clears throat> excuse me, type of game, and it's playing straight-ahead hockey. Anytime Braden Shen falls into the east-west or the boards-to-boards type of game, that's just not his element. And if you look at right now, I mean, he's playing direct. He's getting to the net. He's being physical. He's being smart out there. And I really like the line of neighbors, Sod and Shen. I think they're all elevating each other. And yesterday I asked Curbs a question about, you know, do they feel like they have to elevate their game or whatever with Jake Neighbors? It's not really what I meant by the question. What I meant was more so that you get excited to play with a good young player who plays stylistically the same way as you do. And that's what I think has created the chemistry right now mm-hmm. between those guys. And Braden Shen is, is benefiting from it. Jake Neighbors is. Brandon Saad is benefiting from it. And you watch pregame skate today. First two guys on the ice were Braden Shannon and Jake Neighbors. And they're working on some skill stuff. They're working on some power play stuff off the goal line, down low. Like, it's just wild how once you find that chemistry, once you find those line mates, that it can help everybody click in the right direction. Well, to your point, so listen to this. Last five games for that line, they have scored eight goals. They have nine block shots. And have scored three power plays, for three power play goals. That is by far your most productive line. I mean, it's not even it's not even close. Your top line, just in comparison, and I'm not I'm not hammering the top line. I'm just saying this is how good this this second the second line has been of late. Again, over the last five games, that second line of Saad, Shen, and, Na- and neighbors has eight goals. The top line is two, over that same same time time span, and the top line is obviously playing more minutes. I mean, you're looking at six more minutes a night for some of these guys. So yeah, the Saad Shen neighbors line, it's just, again, it's, it, it is, it is top notch right now, man. They're firing all cylinders. Yeah. But that's what you need right now. Mm-hmm. You need that secondary scoring. If you don't have it, like we talked about it yesterday, they, the top line was on fire there for a little bit, but then it's like people figure out the cheat code and they shut down that line or they do a better job of containing them. And you got to get scoring from somewhere. So when the Blues have their highest level of success, they have at least two lines that you have to watch up front, and the defensemen are also contributing. You look at the defense over the last five games, six games, you look at their contributions, they can't go overlooked. They're playing good offensively, they're getting assists, they're getting goals, they're up in the rush, they're keeping the plays live. All of that matters when you're a team that's kind of 
in that mix of teams that's fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to ask you, is it is it important? I mean, how important is it for that first line to get going? I mean, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Cairo has uh, four goals in January. Three of them came against the Rangers, and Thomas only has one goal this month. I know they're getting assists, but how important is it for them to actually score goals as well? Well, that's really important. I mean, that puts the pressure on the other team. When the other team has to worry about two lines putting the puck in rather than just one line or one line at a time, then that certainly stresses them out more defensively. The matchups are more difficult, and and sometimes you get caught in situations to where you get the wrong guys out there if you're the other team and you're not defending properly. So, yeah, Thomas, Cairo, and Booch getting going, you know, it's really important. But if you look back the last couple of games, like Booch got a goal last game Mm -hmm. against Vancouver. Cairo gets the goal in Calgary. Robert Thomas is playing every time minutes as far as power play, penalty kill, regular shift, goalie pulled, goal for, goal against, whatever it is. He's out there. So they're still contributing, just maybe not to the magnitude that they were at one point. But, Kerry, I don't necessarily think that that's horrible right now because you're going to have peaks and valleys for every line throughout the course of the season. This actually happens to where they're still contributing, maybe not to the level that they were, but you also have another line going so that you're not feeling that direct impact right now on that first line. If they weren't producing and nobody else was producing, you wouldn't be winning hockey games. And there'd mm-hmm. be a tremendous amount of stress put on the whole group, but mostly the guys who make the big money. <laughs> they feel it the most. You know that. They feel it the most when the team's failing and nobody's contributing or they're not contributing. All eyeballs go back to them. So I don't hate that it's spread out a little bit right now. So the Blues have been, over the last seven games against Seattle, they're 5-2, and two, so they've had good success against the Kraken. The Kraken, while 10-4 and four over their last 14 games, so only 1-4 in their last five. So they had a nice little streak going, and then they, they have slumped of late. Now they are coming off a win. But this is this is just a good opportunity for the for the Blues again, who have, have had good success against the Kraken, to play a team that might not be confident right now. Yeah, it, but you have to remember something too. They had some pretty big injuries. Schwartzy was out. Vince Dunn was out. By the way, Vince Dunn is tied for the league for their team lead in points. Sure, I, I didn't have that on my bingo card. No, neither. So when those guys have come back to the lineup now, they're. They're big contributors, and they blew the tires off of the Chicago Blackhawks, who right now, I think they have their minor league team playing in the NHL. They mm-hmm. have Connor Bedard. They're missing a bunch of guys. Like It's not pretty. They're going with so, the Oakland A's strategy, Jamie. Yeah, and pretty much, Chicago? Anthony. Yeah. They're leaving Chicago? No. Oh, no. no. Wow. <laughs> I don't think they leave <laughs> Chicago, but Let's go I understand the minor how you got thing. there, Kerry. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? We're out of here. Going to a bigger market. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to be another team in New York. So. Seriously. No, but look, this, is, this is a good Seattle Kraken team. They've had some injuries. Uh, their goaltender is playing out of his mind right now. So this is a massive test. It is. It's going to be a big test for this team to close out this road trip, hopefully on a positive note. And with a win tonight, you're right back to where you were yesterday, which is one point behind the wild card spot with a game in hand. There you go. So is it a big game? Yeah, it's a big <laughs> yeah. game. They need uh-huh. to win it. <laughs> Nine o'clock puck drop out in Seattle. Blues and Kraken will have the game coverage for you on the Blues Radio Network. Uh, the pregame show starting on 101 ESPN will start at 8 o'clock. You'll hear from Alex Ferrario, Chris Gerber, and Joe Vitale. With Jamie Rivers, Kerry Davis, and Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. 
We asked for your mic drops on the Cardinals, and we're actually going to bring Jamie into the mix too here. With spring training four weeks away from tomorrow, who or what has the most to prove? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. Jamie Rivers joining us from Seattle. What's up? Just making sure. That's your Kerry Davis? Yeah. Mm. And he called me Corey last know. segment. You know what? I set the tone with that by calling Jamie Jeremy. Because I was used to like, Jamie setting, Jeremy. Setting. Well, it's oh, both tomato, JR. tomato. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, let's not do this. Let's not fight. You get the championship Sunday this weekend. I like it. Let's not, let's not fight. Let's not right. do this. Okay. Right. You're right. It's a, it's a glorious Friday. Jamie's in Seattle where it's probably raining. It's going to be a fun uh, blues night tonight. It's not raining. It is gray, though. It reminds me a little bit of Gotham City. Today. Mm. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Good. You got to fight some crime tonight? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> got paid to you do that. You got a plane to catch after the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they decide to pay me. I'll step on. You're in. Uh, sure. So, Jamie, we had a mic drop theme today that we let off the show with, which was uh-huh. four weeks from tomorrow, it's spring training. Who's got the most to prove? Carrie, oh, wow. if you want to, if you want to just hear what what we said, we haven't gotten any mic drops yet. We we've gotten mic drops, but we haven't played any yet. Okay, Bra- Bradford Bronze, who's pinch hitting today for our guy Marshy Marsh, he said Mason win. Carrie went with the de facto ace Sonny Gray. I actually met. I actually went with Mo because if they oh, wow. if You're they start Mo, huh? well if they start slow, what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to go with? Wow. Um, so, guys, first of all, all great choices. Okay, well done. The group, well done. Um, Thanks. I'm going to say, for me, I think Nolan Arenado has the most approved. I do. I mean, he wants to be the man. He's the guy who, in my opinion, and based on what I'm reading and hearing and seeing, he's the guy that said they needed more leadership, older guys. He probably petitioned for Matt Carpenter to be signed and like all these things. And he's also one of the guys who had a down year last year. I, to me, your biggest guys have the most to prove. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a coin flip between Goldie and Arenado, but I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado because I think he's got more to prove at this point. you, You guys have heard my take on this before. When people start to text in or say in mic drops or you just hear people say it. I'm so concerned that the Cardinals are going to waste the primes or not even primes, but just waste the efforts of Goldschmidt and waste the efforts of Arenado. I always, I always come back with more. Aren't they on the team too? Aren't you paying a bunch? Like they, what they did two years ago was one become the NL MVP and two finish third in the NL MVP. Can't remember if they made the playoffs that. Yeah, they won the play. They went to the playoffs that year, last year. And I'm not hanging everything on the, the on these two guys because they don't pitch. But last year wasn't great. Goldie still had a good season. Arnado not not up to his standards, not offensively or defensively. 
you need your best players to to be at the top of their game if you're going to be a legit contender, whether that's contender for the National League Central or uh, an NL pennant. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a good team, your studs gotta be your studs. So Jamie, I like that one. Let's get to our mic drops. Let's hear from Trevor first. One batter and one pitcher uh, that has the most to prove. Uh, first is Mason Wynn. Uh, if he doesn't work out, then that totally messes up the uh, outfield situation with Edmund having to come in and play a shortstop, and then then you uh, you're, you're you're forced to play Dylan Carlson or bring up uh, Victor Scott. On uh, on for the pitchers, I think it's uh, Stephen Matz. Um, if it it's all depends on what Stephen Matz is going to show up, is it going to be the Stephen Matz that uh, can stay healthy and uh, is pitching? With least with the not very much uh, confidence, or is he the bulldog that came in and uh, came in came in after he left the bullpen and came in and 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 let the uh, uh, world on fire? I, where are you guys on Mason Wynn? Because See, uh, I, I'm glad you asked that because yeah, Bradford said it, and I am of the thought that even if he doesn't hit well, you still play him every day as long as the defense is solid up the middle. Sure, I, I think you can. You can handle one hitter that is, you know, not performing at the plate as well as you would prefer them to. You you did it for years with Yadier Molina. He wasn't always. You bite your tongue. Well, I'm just telling you the truth. He's My a gosh. great player. I saw my Yadi. Yeah, we love Yadi. But he, he wasn't always stellar at the plate. He had some years that were down. But do you sit Yadier Molina? No. Hell no. Because he's too important at his job. And so for Mason Wynn, I feel if the defense up the middle is as stellar as we expect it to be, well, you know what? Damn it. Everybody else got to hit. <laughs> Figure it out. Because this guy ain't going to sit. And Tommy Edmond, I'm talking to you, pal. You better hit. You better. You got to hit. Because we got one guy that ain't may not be able to, and he's younger in his career, and he's a better infielder, supposedly, or, or expected to be, mm-hmm. projected to be, than all of the other guys you have on the roster. So you don't sit him and and be frustrated because he's not hitting well. The difference here, CD, and everybody, is that Mason Wynn, even in his small sample size last season, when he technically still wasn't a rookie, he flashed more than enough to be exceptional with the arm, with the athleticism. He has the chance to be elite at the position, not just good, but elite. Therefore... If the rest of your offense, if your linchpins, as we said last hour, the guys who were supposed to be carrying the respective loads, if they're doing their respective jobs and they're giving you the 800-plus OPS outings, then Mason Wynn in the least pressurized spot in the order, hitting 8th or ninth, you should be able to ride with him, in theory. I agree. So here's where I am on the whole Mason Wynn thing. If Mason Wynn ends up being the guy who has to prove the most, you got bigger problems than you thought. <laughs> Bottom line, and, and it's, everybody, everybody just kind of said the same thing. Like defensively, I think he proved to us already last year. Defensively, he's going to be just fine at the major league level. And to your point, Bradford, he might even be a Gold Glover or elite at some point. So if you're, if he's got the most to prove, like where the hell is everybody else? Yeah, no, that, I think that's a good point. Now, Trevor Trevor does bring up an interesting scenario in which Mason Wynn is so overwhelmed. And I'm talking about the extreme example. He's so overwhelmed that you have to send him down so that he he can kind of re, refine things. Does his arm work? 
Yes. Does his glove work? Carrie, like, I said the, the most extreme <laughs> example, okay? You and I have the same... Look, you and I are on the same team here. <laughs> Sorry. We have the same take. My apologies. Trying to expand the conversation. <laughs> if you're Trevor and you're thinking, all right, an extreme example, Mason wins, it's just so overwhelming. He's not good. He's horrible. He's a total liability, like worst case scenario. And you got to bring Tommy Edmund back in. Yeah, that I can see why things have to be moved around, but still... Mason Wynn, play, play exceptional defense. I'm okay with Do it. your thing offensively. Just learn the game. You're good. You know, the Cardinals didn't realize that the shift was banned, so he's going to be really good because he can play one side. He does a really good job. He's wow. athletic. They didn't realize that. I don't. I mean, no. That's why they got him now. That's why they got Goldmark back. In their, you can't shift now. That's true. There good you call. Go. Yeah, they figured it out. Yeah. yeah he, like, he's right. going to – now, actually, he might – Hit really well. Yeah. Really. No, no He's going to be pulling it all oh, over the field. Pulling it right mm-hmm. in that, right above, right, sure. right past the second baseman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right in that spot where the second baseman and shortstop used to be. And he'd line out every time. Mm-hmm. Back when they cheated. <laughs> Back when they cheated. <laughs> hey, don't worry about buttoning it down the third baseline. No one's there. Oh, well, I guess I could do that. Well, Carrie, third got... baseman's at second base. Let's just, <laughs> over here. Let's just pretend like there's yeah. a body on the left side of the infield. Welcome to modern day baseball, baby. <laughs> All right, it's fast on 101 ESPN. We have mic drops from Vincent and Michael, and we, we can play we play those throughout the course of the show. It is our mic drop theme today. You can still participate if you go to the 101 ESPN app. 100 percent free to you. Doesn't cost you anything. Leave us a mic drop with spring training four weeks away from tomorrow. Who has the most to prove? And we've gotten a, a variety of different answers thus far, which is kind of fun to do these mic drop themes. That's why we do it. So we'll play more of your mic drops throughout the course of the day. But let's get to our first championship Sunday matchup. Chiefs, Ravens. We'll break it down next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. championship game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. They'll kick off 2 o'clock, and I think this is going to be a fascinating matchup all told. And guys, I I don't know. We can start with the Kansas City side here. I had mentioned this before. Isaiah Pacheco is banged up. Andy Reid doesn't always love to stick with the run. That's kind of the MO with him. Hey, get a little bored, Jamie. I'm going to start throwing the ball around the yard. With this guy named Patrick Mahomes, makes some makes sense. It's pretty good though. But I think if you're going to beat the Ravens, you're going to need to you're going to be, need to be able to run the ball. Their secondary doesn't give up a lot. They've got a lot of unique blitz packages. You don't face a stacked box a lot of times when you face Baltimore. The more reason to run the football. But Pacheco's banged up. He's going to have to have a big game, and Reed's going to have to stick with the run game. You might get one of those things. I don't know if you get three, all three. So that's where I'm at with Kansas City on this. The best way to go might not, might not be the way that Andy Reid wants to go to, to win the football game. Yeah. I, yeah I, go ahead, Jim. Oh, sorry, Kerry. I was going to let you back clean up since you're the football guy here. <laughs> that's fine. 
Just going to let the hockey guy just chime in for a quick second. Um, I said it yesterday. I said that that was the one thing about the Chiefs. Like, they're, they're going to have to establish a running game. And if they can't do that or Andy Reid gets bored or Andy Reid just doesn't like to run the ball as much as he should, yeah. they're in trouble. I really believe that that's going to be the difference maker because if you're passing the ball around out there and for some reason you're a couple of three and outs, you can't give the ball to Lamar. Mm-hmm. You can't. And if you can't control the game by running it, you're screwed. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Pacheco is going to be a, a big deal. Clyde Edwards hilarious tends to he, he runs hard but he puts the ball on the ground every now and then and i'm not a fan of it which you know in the playoffs you don't want to turn the ball over. you don't like turnovers not if i'm on an offensive side makes if sense. i'm a no, defense like as a team when my defense gets the turnover love yeah. it when my offense gives up a turn not, not so, so much, much. No. okay fair so if i'm from the uh kansas city chief side and and i have to depend on clyde edwards hilaire mm-hmm. um makes me a little bit worried you also also should be worried. There there have been some injuries. Willie Gay, uh, linebacker for them, got injured, banged up a little bit last week. Neck injury. We'll see if he's questionable. I'm sure he'll play. But, again, same with we talk about Debo Samuel with the shoulder. Anytime something gets – your neck is a is a sensitive thing. You know, you don't want it to that, – that, that. I hear the spine's important <laughs> yeah, these days. Yeah, it's kind of important, especially as a linebacker. You got to make tackles. And that jolting of your neck going back and forth, not great. Um uh, Legere Sneed, calf injury. Sure, he'll be able to play, but calves are tricky as well. So, the the injuries could be piling up for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs and Joe Tooney. Their their starting left guard is out. So, oh, he's been ruled he's out. Ruled out. So oh, shut is, your yeah, face. They they got him ruled out right now. So I, I Wait, think who's ruled out? Joe Tooney, the the, the starting guard, starting left guard. guard. <clears throat> Oh, but not the loony, but the here, toony. Here's okay. here here's the nigga Nikki Allegretti, who is a former line eye. That sounds like a, a lot of race car driver. Nikki Allegretti. Mm-hmm. Nick Allegretti's a good guy. Family good people. He's former line eye. So All right. Daddy be Michael. Okay. I don't know. Probably not. not. Sure. Yeah. Hey, CD, strategically speaking on that side of the ball, and yes, we know Kansas City has that litany of injuries. So much is made, and rightfully so, about Spagnolo and the ability to game plan, make adjustments in-game, going into the second half, just preparing his unit accordingly. But given all of the injuries on that side for Kansas City and also the fact that they really love to play a lot of man zone, especially inside of the tent, mm-hmm. but you're going against Lamar. Is this the worst possible scenario? for a Spags coach defense because if there's one thing that his teams have surrendered since he took over there in 2019, scrambling touchdowns to yeah. the opposing QB. Yeah, no you're not, you don't want to play man-to-man with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback that you're facing because the moment <laughs> those defenders turn their back and run, <laughs> so, yeah. he's going to be out of there. And if you are unable to create a pass rush, if you're unable to get to the quarterback, it's going to be a long day if you're deciding to play man. And Spags has done a lot of it. He's blitzed. If you can't get him on the ground, if you bring more than they have, meaning you bring six and they only got five blocking, or you bring seven and they only got six blocking, and you're unable to get to the quarterback or get him down with that unblocked defender, if he doesn't get the ball out of his hand and you're unable to get him down, now all of those other guys are running with their receivers, with their backs turned, and he's going to pick up a 40-yard run or a 20-yard run or a touchdown, whatever the case may be, wherever you're located on the field. So it's a challenge for any de- – anytime you play a quarterback that has mobility, it keeps defensive coordinators up at night. How do I stop this person? 
Because if I allow him time to just sit back in the pocket, well, he probably can pick us apart now, especially with having Mark Andrews available. It's going. It's a tough task regardless, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's really hard to play against a quarterback of Lamar Jackson's capability. You, you haven't faced anybody like this either, Jamie. I mean, you, if you look back, you're, so you're Kansas City. So you, face, you faced uh, Josh Allen, obviously. Okay, so Josh Allen was productive last week, but ultimately Buffalo didn't have the, the pieces defensively. But you get past that hurdle. You lost to th- that same Josh Allen, uh, what, a month ago uh, or so. You also went 1-1 one one against Aiden O'Connell. You beat Bailey Zappi, Easton Stick, and Jake Browning in the final month of the season. It's a heck if you're of a Kansas win. City. So there, there was were good wins. Now, the last week against Easton Stick, you, you were playing your backups too, so whatever, right? You could throw that one out. But it's not like Kansas City has gone through a gauntlet since the start of December. Tua and that offense for Miami was frozen. They showed up frozen. You didn't order them that way. They showed up. You're like, this is the, these guys. This is no good to me anymore. They're not going to defrost. Like it's over. That's who you've beaten. And and to keep in mind, Josh Allen rushed for 72 yards against them last week. Two True. touchdowns. So that's where He's, I want to go. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to ask both of you guys, and whoever wants to take it, you can. What? So what do the Chiefs do then against Lamar? Because to your point, Anthony, like they haven't faced a Lamar, for obviously. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen was close. He's close. He can run the ball. The big moose got around out there pretty good. He's a dangerous <laughs> quarterback, but he's not Lamar. Yeah. So now, to your point earlier, Kerry, if they turn in man-to-man and they start to go backwards and Lamar starts eating up some yardage on them, and then they go back to maybe a zone or... A, I don't know the exact terminology of the setups. You guys yeah. can figure out what I'm trying to say. Sure. Then Lamar can air it out down the field. So mm-hmm. how do you play this guy? You don't. That's why he's going to win another MVP. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jamie, you're right. I mean, I could have said that, Kerry. Kerry, you didn't even play it. You didn't play it all. Like, Jamie you didn't even give me multiple no, options. Jamie gave a, the, a really good question, and Kerry goes, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's over. He no. just gave you the parent answer. The, like, the, the little answer. kid comes to Basically, do as I say. Why? Because yeah. I said so. So right. it, the problem is it creates... He creates so many disadvantages for your defense. We talked about possibly spying the quarterback. That's where you have everyone else possibly playing zone, but his eyes, the linebacker's eyes, are solely on Lamar Jackson. So if he does break out of the pocket, you have a linebacker that is supposed to be able to tackle him. The only problem with that, that damn linebacker ain't as fast or as athletic as Lamar Jackson. So that's one issue. We talked about the man-to-man. That's an issue. You can play zone and drop eight or drop seven and only rush three or four, but now you're giving him an opportunity where I have more people to block than you have to rush. So I have more time in the pocket, which – Again, you talk about skating on the defensive end, how tiring that is. Ask a DB about letting a quarterback sit in the pocket for five seconds. How tiring that is while Zay Flowers is zigzagging all over the field. And now those guys are fatigued, and now you get a ball thrown behind you. So, again, it is the only thing that that you can can hope for is you get to get pressure with four with with your defensive line against their offensive line and you get to the quarterback and don't allow him 
excessive time, excessive amount of time to pick you up, pick your part down for you. Yeah, I'm not playing man to man. I'm drop, I'm dropping him, in, I'm dropping as many as I can in the zone. Make him play quarterback. He he could still beat me with his arm because yeah. he's he's outstanding. But that's but not, not Spags. That's not what he does. Which is why, Kerry, you need to tell Jamie that the Chiefs are going to lose and Lamar's going to, you know, he's going to have a day. first Super Bowl. But all roads lead back to Kerry's <laughs> initial state. Exactly. <laughs> Ain't nothing you can do. You're right. It's not Spags. But if you blitz, if you blitz Lamar, I mean, I, I won't bore anybody with the numbers, but Lamar against the blitz is outstanding. Like he's been fantastic. So you put a little pressure on him, for, and you want to blitz him, he'll hit Zay Flowers. That's his yes. main guy in in when it comes to when you're going to blitz him. Otherwise, play zone, force him, force him to try to go through his progressions. It's not. It's not ideal, but it's the best, your best case scenario yeah, against Lamar. But Spags is, a, what they say, a tiger doesn't change his stripes. Leopard can't change his spots. That's yeah. who Spags is. He is a heat Elephant him up. can't take off his trunk. I we never heard it. never heard that one. That's yeah. that one. No, so. I've heard that, Anthony. Okay. You two are most be, you predominantly two might, in Michigan. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. You two might be yeah. the homie. <laughs> How did that work out for Spags in the team's last it's meeting a good thing. in 2021, uh, right? <laughs> Stoltz, though, on the flip side, when you talk about the success, obviously, or rather just how much of Kansas City's attack is dictated by being able to blitz and to get exotic in that manner. Mm-hmm. For Baltimore, last weekend, we saw exactly what the Ravens were able to do in terms of terrorizing Stroud. So yeah. even more, I don't think it's possible to underscore how important the absence of Tooney now is going to be in this game because as far as selling out on occasion early on and trying to rattle Mahomes as much as possible, mm-hmm. look, Rice, Kelsey at all, they're not going up against a dinged-up Buffalo defense. No. This is a ferocious group in Baltimore. And, and I've got I've got guys that can hang. I mean, look, Travis Kelsey, I'm not, I, I'm not minimizing what he has. I mean, Travis Kelsey is one of the better tight ends that we have seen play over the last you know decade now. But he still doesn't look like the same guy, despite catching the two touchdowns last week. Oh, and no. I've I've got guys. I've got mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton. I, you know, I, Marlon Humphrey is supposed to be supposed to be back this week. I got guys to go up against your two players because you only have two. You have Rishi Rice and you have you have Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Love him. He, he uh, wasted his catches last week. That's it for him. <laughs> the two catches he made last week, that, that's that's it. It's all dried up now. He's Wait, done. You don't want to give it to Hardman again on the goal line? I would prefer not no, to give no. Hardman. I, quite frankly, I would have cut him, too. Like, just be done with it. You're not going to give him the ball again. So you guys down. handle the ball with their hands closed. <laughs> exactly. Try to catch with their fists. <laughs> Rather give it to Noah Gray, frankly. I, I, True. Jamie, to or answer Justin your, Watson. To give point. you an answer to your question, the best opportunity, the best chance that the Chiefs have is to match point for point, to score. Every time they get the ball, score. Put pressure on Baltimore. Hope they get a three and out. Hopefully they don't, you know, hopefully they have to end a drive with a punt or, or a field goal and not score a touchdown, and you're able to score a touchdown on your next drive. That, to me, is the way that Kansas City can, because you're going to have to match point for point or score first and hope that you can get a stop at some point. That's the best way because just looking at the matchup, offense, Baltimore's offense versus Kansas City defense, it feels like it's a it's a tough task ahead for the uh for the Kansas City Chiefs. There you go. All right. That is a two o'clock kickoff in Baltimore at the bank. See outside the bank. At the OB more. That's right. Absolutely. Gary, what do you think of Baltimore the city? Just out of curiosity. 
I don't have many thoughts about it. We got in, got out. What wins usually? Won the division there one time. Look at you. Winning the division matters. Probably. Anthony. Ever tell you? Uh, okay, ever tell you about my experience in Baltimore? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Go ahead. So I'm playing in the minors, and uh, we go in to play the Baltimore Bandits. Oh. Your Baltimore Bandits. There's like 12 <laughs> people in the crowd. But uh, we stayed at the Days Inn, Baltimore. Oh, okay. So, okay, let's, we're setting the stage, right? Yeah. And not in the harbor either, like <laughs> in the city. In Baltimore. And, uh, in Baltimore, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, the, you know, the walls are paper thin at the old days in Baltimore. Great people and friendly staff, but uh, there was a, a shooting. Uh, there are people running down the hall shooting at each other oh, in, uh, oh. at the old Baltimore days in. Oh, and Really? We poke our heads out, and uh, I poked my head out, yeah. and my roommate was like, oh, I'm, gonna go. I'm like, dude, if you put your head out there, you're an idiot. And then you just hear pop, 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 pop. I'm like, oh, boy, we're in one. Take to the ground. <laughs> wow. That's and, not uh, great. Yeah. That was my, that was my uh, baptism to Baltimore. It was the very first night I'd spent in Baltimore, huh. and I uh, didn't sleep the rest of the night. And then the next time we had to go back there, uh, they had uh, security on our floor. For that one at the old days in i think the guy fell asleep eating a donut but still, <laughs> your security all right in, I, in he, had a, he, he had a shirt which said security he didn't have a gun on him i remember right. telling their coach i said coach unless that guy's got a gun on him he's no help to anybody right now right security and uh, name got only. a t-shirt you respect that shirt <laughs> oh yeah that's not before carry that works <laughs> Hang on, that's a big flashlight. Yeah. I'm scared now. Be careful. <laughs> it's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. We've got Blues Cues coming up next. If you've got a Blues-related question, send it into the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Again, Blues Cues next in the fast lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, it's, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> almost call us Hi, all Anthony. Fa- almost call us all fat. <laughs> it's a fat so lane. Hey, you know, hey. ESPN. I know, I know. That's not right. We've all been working out. It's a little while ago. Maybe a couple of us hit that uh, a little while ago, Anthony, but we've been working hard, you know. Well, you know, the you go to mentality. Has been you get... Fantastic for yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's do the uh the blues cues right now. Bradford Brun stepping in for Andrew Marsh. Via the your questions via the Air Comfort Service text line. Jamie from the 314, just how much longer does interim head coach Drew Bannister have? Have we already seen what Bannister can maximize from this collection of players? Well, I, I hope he's got a long time to go. He's done a real good job with this team. And you have to imagine that this is not Drew Bannister's team either. As we get a little music in the background like that. Um, <laughs> but this is not Drew Bannister's team. This is Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong's team that they built together. And Drew Bannister was handed this team and said, hey, buddy, good luck. And here, by the way, here's the checklist of things we want you to accomplish with the team that you didn't have any say in. So I think that he's done a really good job of earning the confidence of the guys. And, Kerry, you know this. Like, as a young coach uh, – who doesn't have the NHL experience yet as a head coach does as a player, but not as a head coach coming up from the minor league team. You're called the interim head coach, like earning the confidence of the players, let alone the superstars can be tough at times. Yeah. When you get the guys to trust you, I think you get the best version of your players 
and I think I think Drew Bannister has done a great job. I mean, we started with him sitting Pavel Buchnevich earlier in his when he first got here and just saying, "Hey, you're not doing the job good enough." And everyone responded correctly. It was just a signal that that let people know what time it was. Now this is going to be a little bit different. These are the expectations. And if you don't meet these expectations, you won't play. And I thought that was a really good thing. And I thought it was a really good response by the players on that on that team to figure out that this is what we need to do in order to win games. Having said that, Jamie, from the 636, post the 2024 season, which head coaches right now would you look at, would you examine and say, if they're on the chopping block, who would be a good viable candidate here in St. Louis? Yeah, Drew Bannister. I'm tired of the recycle, Ben. I'm absolutely tired of it. You get guys that just move around over and over and over again, and we look at that and we go, oh, the coaching, look at who's available. This guy's available. Why do you think he's available? <laughs> he, yeah. he, he didn't get the job done wherever he was last and you just keep recycling these old coaches I don't get it I don't like it um, I think that look I think if Joel Quenville was available that that would be somebody I would kick the tires on but man that situation in Chicago still isn't sorted out he's still culpable for his part in what happened in Chicago so he may not even be allowed by the league to coach yet apart from that like who else are you looking at Gerard Gallant, okay, he's had okay success, but his teams have done nothing in the playoffs. He's a nice guy. He's a player's coach. But it seems like his shelf life is like two seasons and you got to move on to the next guy. I'd rather stick with Drew Bannister and give him an extended period of time. You know, this is his first shot at it. I'd like to give him an offseason to sit down with Army and the scouting staff and talk about players that he'd like to have on his team, an identity that he'd like his team to be. Let him get going for a season or two, see how that works out. The players already know him. They know what his expectations are. Hell, to Carey's point, he sat one of the best players and got a positive response from these guys. So, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitter about it. I'm just tired of seeing the same guys recycled over and over and over again who end up with the same results, and two years from now you're in the same boat of looking for a head coach. I'd rather give it to the guy who's proven he's hungry, he wants it, and has had pretty good success so far. One young guy, Rivs, who has made a big impression on the ice so far this season from the 314. Realistically, what is the long term ceiling for one Jake Neighbors? Jamie, where do you see him slotting in long term as far as top six or maybe even a top line staple? Well, I think top six is certainly where he could be. Uh, on a on an elite team, he's a middle six. Let's just be honest. He's a second or third liner on an elite team. If you took Jake Neighbors and plopped him into Colorado right now, he's not playing on the top line. So I think realistic expectations when you're looking at the Blues is you're hoping that you can get to that elite team status in the next three, four, five years. And if you do, Jake Neighbors is somewhere in the middle six, which is not bad. Those guys get paid a lot of money. They're really important to your hockey club. Just look at Braden Shen. I don't know the last time he was a number one center on this team if ever, for that matter, for an extended period of time. Yet he's really important to this team. Hell, he's your captain. So I, I look at it to where the ceiling for Jake Neighbors is 25 goals for him. That he's a second-line player, a second-power play guy, 25 goals, contributing out there, physical. I said yesterday, I think you'll have a letter on his chest in the next four or five years. It might even be sooner. In the next four or five years, he might have the C on his chest, depending on – you know, what Braden Shen does and what the Blues do. Like, who knows, right? But he's just that type of player. So, for me, 
you know, the ceiling is still undetermined because I didn't expect it to be where it's at already right now. I've been thoroughly impressed with this player, and I'm excited to see what comes up for the rest of the season and years to come. But he's that he should be a staple with this organization for a long time. From the offense to the defense with a bit of that leadership also mixed in. Jamie, in a word or two, can you describe the importance of number 55 to this organization? And specifically, what is it about him that makes Colton Pareko so indispensable? First of all, I told you all, you doubters, last year, I told you. All you Blues fans that wanted to trade him, get rid of him, wave him. Can you believe it? Somebody said wave him last year. Go smack your head off a wall. What the hell's your problem? Hey, I didn't say it. Uh, just because I was looking at you, Anthony, doesn't mean I was actually talking <laughs> Well, to but you, the whole okay? smack your head off the wall. I mean, you know yeah, I've done that. I know. It hits home. It's personal. I <laughs> yeah. apologize for that, it's okay. Anthony. That's so all right. We'll choose something different. Go chase yourself. How about that? Perfect. Okay, is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Thanks, buddy. No, but people last year, Anthony, you know this. And, Kerry, you know it, too. People are like, oh, 6.5, one of the worst contracts in the NHL. The, the Athletic, sorry, JR, but the Athletic had Colton Pareko. one of the worst deals in the NHL. Really? How you like me now? <laughs> How you like me now? Playing 24, 25, 26 minutes a game, dominating on the power or the penalty kill, contributing out there offensively, shutting down the opposition night in and night out. I, what do you say about this guy? He's an elite defenseman. I'd put him as one of the top 10 defensemen in all of the NHL, one of the top five defensemen in shutdown capacity. So if you take away like the Kale McCars and the Quinn Hughes, those guys are elite. I get it. But they don't shut other teams down like Colton Pareko does. Now, they, cr they create more offense. They're better on the power play. I get it. But I'm just saying, if you isolate certain qualities that Colton Pareko has, he's a top five defenseman. Otherwise, he's a top 10 defenseman. Guys, it's incredible what I'm watching with him on a nightly basis, I just absolutely love it. I'm thrilled for him because he took, in my opinion, he took some verbal abuse last year from Blues fans that he didn't need. And I think people are realizing quickly now what we do have here in St. Louis and that the $6.5 million, that's going to look like a flea on an elephant's behind in about three, <laughs> four years. So, you know, that's going to end up being one of the best deals, most valued deals. Watch The Athletic. Watch this. Two years from now, oh, one of the best value deals in the NHL, <laughs> Colton Pareko. I'm going to snap at that. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Four warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? The gauntlet is powered by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. All right, time for the gauntlet in the fast lane. Where it's 408. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We welcome in Charles for a third consecutive day. That means round three of the gauntlet for Charles. What's up, man? Hey, did uh, Riz call me, uh, did Mr. 3000 call me Chuck E. Cheese before we went to break? He did, yeah, he did. <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> I don't Mr. know how you feel about that. No offense, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no Mr. offense, of course. You know, Chuck E. Cheese brought a lot of smiles to a lot of children. That's child. true. Come on. Yeah. Uh, going to Chuck E. Cheese on Sunday, actually. It's so fun. Oh, there, there you, you go. go. There you yeah. Go. See? You're Jamie knew. You get a free table. Yeah. Sure. All right, Charles, <laughs> it's Carrie Davis or me today. Who would you like to take on? Yeah, I'll see my Carrie Davis. Alrighty. Okay, Carrie Davis, going to the cone of silence. Out of here. There you go. All hey, right. Carrie looks pissed. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't know uh, what what Carrie's deal is there on that. 
right, Anthony, remember, I'm going to need someone to uh, send you the send me the questions. Once the wheel lands, send me the questions. You got it. No problem. All right, Charles, go ahead and tell Bradford to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel. Okay. So what did you get, baseball and football? Is those the the two? Yeah, baseball so far. Okay, let's see what you get today here. What do we got, Bradford? Anthony, did I not tell you that it would be one of two categories? <laughs> you did. It is football. All right, you're going to have to take down yeah. Kerry in football. It has happened. I think Kerry played in the gauntlet the first the first time and was beaten in football. Bradford's getting us the launch codes here. I'll take a picture for Jamie and send it to you. So uh, as you I do send this. Send me the right picture this time, please. You know, you, know oh, you, you know you like that last picture. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like it. I just need the right one to be able to be helpful. Sure. Yeah, no problem. That one's that one's helpful too. Yeah. Some may say. All yeah, right. Just at different times, Anthony. We know how that works. Yeah, of course. Yep. All right. I just sent you there the uh, questions there, Jamie. So you're all set. Oh, you sent me that one again. <laughs> <laughs> all Leaving right. Leaving the mass text. Charles, as you know, yep. you're going to get four football questions. Each question is worth two points unless you need the options. If you ask for the options, those questions are worth one point. Are you ready i'm ready question number one patrick mahomes first afc championship game was against which team his first afc championship game was against which team the ravens final answer all right look at that it was quick chucky fast on that one all right question two charles who was the last team the detroit lions lost to in the regular season uh, can I get the options? Sure. Was it the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, or the Dallas Cowboys? Let's see. I'm going to say the Cowboys, final answer. Charles, 49ers wide receiver and multi-purpose threat, Debo Samuel played college football at which SEC university? Let me get the options. They are South Carolina. Ole Miss or Texas A&M? I want to say it was South Carolina. So we'll do that final answer. All right, Charles. Last question for you. Including this year's playoffs, how many playoff wins does Lamar Jackson have? Including this year's playoffs, how many wins, playoff wins, does Lamar have? Um, let's go three. Final answer. All right. Gauntlet has been completed from Charles' standpoint. How are you feeling? Yeah, not good on this one again today. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't think you felt good the last couple of days, right? So. Have not, nope. <laughs> that worked out for you. Kerry's making his way back in from the cone of silence. Alrighty. You ready to rock, Kerry? I'm ready to roll. Jamie was worried about you. He said you looked uh, ticked off. Oh no, I was angry. He slammed down his headset and just. You know, my face, I, I, mean, I wasn't mad, Kerry. I like a guy who's intense, who's competitive like that. Yeah, I don't am. let Anthony make it. He's painting a picture like it was negative. I wasn't painting any picture. I was just stating facts. You know, how you I interpret am, it, that's angry. on you. I am angry. Oh, it Charles, is has been, Charles has been a thorn in yeah, our side. All right. Stop at some point. All right, wow. CD. The wheel spun football. Football. Are you ready? I am ready. Question one. Patrick Mahomes' first AFC Championship game was against which team? Uh, that would be New England. Final answer. Yeah, New England. 
Charles wow. chiming in Very. himself here. That was D four jumped away, off man. sides, uh, didn't get the ball back. Patriots win the game. They got an interception on that play. Final I answer. mean, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll find out. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, sorry, my phone went dead there for a second. Not dead. You know, the screen went away. Anthony, these things, these kids these days. Have to look at <laughs> no, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question two, Carrie. Who was the last team that the Detroit Detroit Lions lost to in regulation, regular season? That they I lost the hell out of that one. This Let year. Me try that again, okay. Carrie. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a second share too. <laughs> Question two. We'll act like it never happened. Who was the last team the Detroit Lions lost to in the regular season? This past regular season, so 2023. They lost the to the Cowboys, team. but did they play? That was weak. They made they they said they were twelve and four. Did they win their last game? I want to say we talked about that. That was like I'm trying to see. All right, Dallas Cowboys. Did they win their last game, Anthony? Dallas Cowboys final answer. I feel like that's wrong. Gosh darn it. Moving on to question three, CD, <laughs> where did Debo Samuel of the 49ers play his college football? Debo, oh, 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 oh I know this. Debo went to, did he go to South Carolina? South Carolina, final answer. Question four, including this year's playoffs, how many playoff wins does Lamar Jackson have? Uh, he won one. A two, including this year. Including this year's playoffs. He'd only won one up until this point. He was one and three. And then they only played one game. Two. Final answer. Okay, let's go over these. Charles, round three okay. against Carey. <laughs> let's go over these. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' first AFC championship game was against which team? Charles, without the options, you said the Ravens. And then you said when Kerry, after Kerry said the Patriots, you said, ah, it was the Patriots. Uh, Jamie, correct answer is? Well, Kerry seemed very unsure of himself he at did. the time. Yeah, he guessed. Uh, Charles said the Ravens. It was, in fact, the Patriots. Yep. Two nothing, Kerry. <laughs> who, was, who was the last team the Detroit Lions lost to in the regular season? Charles, you said the Cowboys. Kerry, after some waffling and then you hated yourself for it, you also said the Cowboys. Bradford, correct answer is? How about those Cowboys? It was the Cowboys. Shouldn't have lost that game, Shouldn't but, uh, you know. They did. Counted as an L in the mm-hmm. regular season record book. So, it's a joke. Charles, <laughs> Charles needed the options. Carey did not, so 4-1 Carey with the lead. Debo Samuel played college football at which SEC university? Charles, you said South Carolina. Carey, you said South Carolina. Jamie, correct answer is? Oh, Carolina. South Carolina. Carrie did not need the options. Carrie up six deuce. Including this year's playoffs, how many playoff wins does Lamar Jackson have? Charles, you said three. Carrie, you said two. Bradford? Lamar has dropped a playoff deuce so far. Oh, boy. Charles? You have chosen (laughs) poorly. You lose! Charles, you didn't feel good about it. Kerry, uh, he swept the board. 8-2. 8-2. Didn't use any options. Got them all right. He swept it. So, hey, if you're going to go out. If you're going to go out. practice in the morning. <laughs> hey, if you're going to go out, Charles, go out like that, right? 
Oh, yeah. Good job, Thanks, Charles. Dad. Yeah, good job. Thanks. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you. Have a good weekend. There you go. Nice job, Carrie. You, you were locked in today. I was dialed in. Football. Carrie's yeah. angry. Yeah, I was. A little He's angry. Angry. I mean, ready I to go. Hate it. Yeah. I didn't hate it at yeah. all. Like I liked it. And my game you face know. on. Ready to roll. Yeah. 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 Nice work there. Thank you, sir. Good. Poor Charles. He might never be the same after that. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed okay. He seemed okay. I don't know about that, man. I think he was pretty rattled. He's, well, he didn't like it. That's for sure. But... Night. He was looking to celebrate, apparently. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the whole weekend he could have celebrated that. Kerry, was there ever ever any other chores for you entering championship weekend? You knew that you had to get I, it done. Today. I had to get it done. Way to go. I had to make sure we, uh, as a team, as a unit, yes, get us out of this hole. Make sure we're right back on track on but, Monday. And you did. <laughs> and we thank you. We well, asked for you. you we asked for your <laughs> mic drops today about the Cardinals. Four weeks from tomorrow. Four weeks from tomorrow. Spring training for the Cards. Who is the most approved? More of your mic drops next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Four weeks until spring training, huh? And I'm so excited that I just can't hide it. And I'm pretty sure you can hear the excitement in my voice. There is an excitement, though, for me, for the unknown. I'm looking forward to, like I said, the unknown. But one thing that is known is the outfield. And there's no particular player that needs something to prove. I think the whole outfield has something to prove, to me at least. All right, there you go. You heard from Courtney. We're taking your mic drops today. Four weeks from tomorrow, spring training starts. So the Cardinals, who has the most to prove? Courtney went with the outfield. Carrie, you, it looked like you half agreed with that. I don't have a issue. I don't have an issue with that. I mean, you got a second-year player in, in Jordan Walker. You got a Lars Newtbar, Lars Newtbar, who people assume is going to be a really good player, superstar at some point. He still has to prove that. And then you got a center fielder that probably should be playing second base. So, yeah. I could agree. What? He, he won a gold glove range? at second base. He's in his range. I don't know why he's in center field. He might win a gold glove at center field. Maybe. He's good, Kerry. He's already won one, though. Does it really bother you, though? <laughs> like, I've heard you bring it up before, but is it does it, like, yeah. really yes, bother It really it aggravates you? Like, analytics me. really bother you. No, analytics drive me up a wall. Yeah. So it's not maybe to that level. Nah, analytics make me want to punch people in the face. Uh-huh. Tommy Edmond playing Noted. center field. <laughs> Tommy Edmond playing center field troubles me more than anything because he's a gold glove second baseman. And so I get it, but you have people that play the position. And so I, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's not a wasted position because it's not wasted. Him playing center field, he's going to do a really good job at it. But I think if I'm a better second baseman, and have done that at the top of my field, I would assume that that's where I would want to be and and have so, and probably be better for the team in that way. So here's where I am on it, Karen. I'll just ask you a very honest question. Do you think your team is better overall with Tommy Edmond in center field and Gorman's bat in the lineup, or would you rather have Dylan Carlson in center field with his bat and Tommy Edmond at second base? Ah. Uh. Well, it, where, which side of the plate is Dylan Carlson batting from? Because if he's going to – if he just I decides – I don't even care. Pick your best because it ain't that good. <laughs> he, he struggles 
left-handed, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's he does. not great. And most pitchers are right-handed, so you would probably assume that he should bat right-handed more. because he doesn't. So play. you probably want that big left bat in the lineup, just saying. Yes, right? no, not that. You want, yeah, you want to flip it. Yeah. No. A lot of righties. No, you, you want, want Gorman in the lineup. Correct. Yeah, you want yeah, the left. Gorman is in the lineup. Big left bat. Gorman is in the lineup. You know you want the big bat in the lineup. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Gorman is in the lineup regardless. He's your he's your DH. He's your everyday DH. No matter who's at second, I no matter who's at center. Arenado need a day off their feet though. Well, then you that's what that works. You heard? Have you heard of Brendan Donovan and Matt Carpenter? These guys got eight gloves in their bags. What the hell you think they're gonna do? Not, not disagreeing. I just think your best lineup. <laughs> Your <laughs> best lineup is with Tommy Edmond at center field. And who at second base? Brendan Donovan? Me, Carrie. No, I'm laughing at Anthony because oh. I told him I got eight gloves in my bag. I'm ready for everything. I don't know about you guys. We got bring the whole sporting goods store. Just the Why whole, not? yeah. Or you just, play for the Cardinals. You just drive the, the, the U-Haul truck with all the needs in yeah. the back. Yeah, yeah. I played. Uh, I drove a U-Haul truck too, Kerry, but for different reasons. <laughs> it's because I was moving all the time. Me too. It wasn't bring. It wasn't bring all your gloves. It was bring all your furniture. <laughs> me too. Trust me. Traded again. Gotta go. Really? I just got here. Guess what, Jamie? Somebody wants you. <laughs> all right. Yes. That was quick. Yes. You wanted me like an hour ago. All right. Let's hear yeah, from. That was then. Let's hear from Andrew. <laughs> Two things, boys. Starting pitching and hitting with runners in scoring position left way too many guys on base last year. And the starting pitching, let's see how they come together with the new acquisitions um, for the 35-year and older club. Um, you never know. Maybe experience wins. We'll see. Man, wasn't necessary. You didn't do any ageism here. Here's where I am with the age stuff, okay? Honestly, for real, mm-hmm. is if this is your short-term solution because you have all the young arms coming up and you got the Tinkenses and the Graceffos and the McGreevies and all this stuff, I don't hate the veteran arms. Like the game, the athletic world overall has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady can play till he's 57 years old and still contribute. When other guys are like Aaron Rodgers, I know he blew out his Achilles this year, but he's still able to contribute. We got older guys that can do this stuff. Like we're not asking pitchers to be athletic. Like we're not, we're not asking them to rip around the bases and to shag down like ground balls in the gap and all that stuff. No, we're asking them to take a step towards home plate and put the ball over the plate and be successful with it. I I don't look at the age as a total negative. Now, if we're still relying upon these guys two years from now, now there's a problem. Mm -hmm. There's a problem. If Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson are still two and three in your rotation two years from now. Yeah, uh, to, you know, to Andrew's point, I think if if you if you look at who who's got the most approved from a position positional standpoint, the, to me, there's no question it's the starting pitching because of what happened last year. Yeah, I, I realize that Lance Lynn wasn't here, and Sonny Gray wasn't here, and Kyle Gibson wasn't here, but with what with how quickly things unraveled for you last year because of the starting pitching. Uh, that that's the group for me. If you're just to pick a group, they have got to perform light years better than the group that was here last year. That is their that is their opportunity and and their burden. Again, they weren't here last year, but if you do not get better starting pitching, your offense is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Last year proved that. We talk about the bullpen too, and all that. That's a component. 
starter set set the tone. Yeah, they they I, I would say the bullpen got worn down because the starter starting pitching wasn't yeah. up to par. So you it kind of became a problem because of the initial problem. So yes. if you can get the starters to have success pitch enough innings and not leave your bullpen where they're trotting the same guy out there every other night or every night, then you you can have more success. But I agree, it has to be coupled with hitting with runners in scoring position, playing good defense. All of those things have to tie in, but it has to – agreed. It has to start with the starting pitching. We'll, uh, we'll look for Michael and Vincent at the top of the hours. We still have some mic drops. We've got to get to our Sports 6 back next. The Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. If you have a question for us, send it into the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll have our Sports 6 back next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is now... All right, time for the Sports Six back in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers and Kerry Davis. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's Bradford Bruns with your questions. Question number one. All right, guys, let's fire this one up. Let's keep with that football theme. Kerry, this one's specifically for you. What is the best time, or I guess you could say, what is the usual time for an away team to fly out for a game? Does it change at all when the postseason arrives? Well, no, it's... It- Oh, I can hear myself now. <laughs> it stays the same. Um, unless you're going out, unless you're an East Coast team traveling out to the West Coast, uh, sometimes those guys leave a little bit earlier, a day earlier. But normally we would leave Saturday, I'll say noon, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock maybe. And then, you know, you land in whatever city you're in, go to the hotel, have meetings, eat food, have more meetings, eat more food, <laughs> sleep, get ready for the go game. Out. It's depending on who you are. <laughs> depending on who you are. Uh, but, yeah, it, it would be the day before the game. We usually left Saturdays if it was a Sunday game and, you know, noon, 1 o'clock. Question number two. Carrie, it's you once again. If Jim Harbaugh ends up winning a Super Bowl or more, with the Los Angeles Chargers, where does that put him in the pantheon of all-time football coaches? That's a good question. I mean, he's taken the the 49ers to a Super Bowl, didn't get the job done, was unable to beat his brother in the Super Bowl, uh, won a national championship with Michigan after you know being in the playoffs for three years in a row and, and finally getting it done. I think Jim Harbaugh is a really good coach. He's an odd person from what I can tell. But I think he's a damn good football coach. And so at where people rank in terms of greatest of all time in terms of coaches, I think you got to win more than than one. You know, I'm I'm still on the uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, you know, those guys. Tom, yeah, it's just some guys that have won multiple championships. <laughs> Chuck Noll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but – yeah, you you put him in the conversation. I, Nick Saban is there. It just there, you have to win multiple, and by multiple I mean three, four, five, six. For gr- is, yeah, for, for like greatest, greatest of yeah. all time. But you could put him. Would you put him in? I mean, if he won two, it's still that's a that's a tall task. But if he yeah. won two, he's in Jimmy Johnson's category. Because didn't yeah. Jimmy win two in a national two. title? Yep. So he would be he would he would be on the same. Jimmy Johnson doesn't get considered. Talked about as the greatest coach of all time, yeah, that, though. 
That's what I was going to say. Is Jimmy Johnson in the Pantheon? I don't think he is. He doesn't get talked in that way. He talked should be. About in that way. He's got great hair. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he does have still. that. I mean, he he rebuilt the Cowboys with one trade. And then they traded his ass out of there. Well, that's because Jerry Jones <laughs> wanted all the credit. It's not Jimmy's fault. Is it because of the lack of longevity, relatively speaking? For Jimmy Johnson? I, yeah. Because uh, yeah, if you win three out of three out of uh, three and four years, which he probably would have, Barry Switzer came in and took that last one, You're yeah, you're talking about one of the greatest decades in sports history with one of the greatest coaches. But I think you know, those two and then not getting that third one. I said, I think you need to win three in that field to start, to be considered in that conversation. Question number three. This one may take a minute to unpack. Gentlemen, with the rate at which NIL business is booming, how different is our sports landscape going to look in five to ten years? Um. Well, okay, Like, let's take... Let's take Marvin Harrison Jr., for example. So Marvin Harrison Jr., some thought that he would go back to Ohio State because he was guaranteed a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. $25 million. Yeah. 20 to $25 million for one year. It's oh, a, a lot. I-L-L-I-N-I. I'd have been in orange and blue. You better believe it. That's a lot of do-re-me. But it still pales in comparison to what he's going to make in the NFL. Yes. All told. And Does no. it? Yes. Because $25 million for one year, he wouldn't make that until his fifth year of the deal, which if he took the $25 million next season uh-huh. and then became a rookie the following season, you got $25 more million than but, you had. But $25 million, though, that though, first of all, was he even going to get $25 million? I said it was 20 to $25 million. I don't know. Anthony, we're operating on the premise that he was. Yeah. What? But you why? Can't ask a question that's like what that. The, that's what the well, number. I doubt he was getting. That's that. what the number. He said. wasn't going to get twenty-five million to go back to Ohio State. Twenty to twenty-five. Yeah. You Even just if it's said 20, it. I'll give you the low end. It's not going to be twenty. He was going to. He was going. If you were going it. to no, get twenty, Kerry said twenty to twenty-five. Million. I didn't were, mention the number. I did, I did say. I said twenty to twenty-five. But if you were going to get twenty to twenty-five million. You definitely gotta consider it for one for sure. one year. Let's say it's five million though, which is probably no, more realistic. No, I can go no. make that in the NFL. Exactly, and start my my uh, my clock. Exactly, get closer to pension and all what? the good things that come along with. He it. said clock. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's oh, okay, that's what I heard. We're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like changing the landscape, there's no telling what Jamie heard. Well. <laughs> That's where his mind wants to go. <laughs> and you're right, you just never know. But I don't know if it's going to change the entire landscape like we think. But these these deals were going on anyways. I mean, maybe not to not to not this this degree, this level, but No. They weren't getting they weren't 10, getting five this, this amount of money. But but now um, it's up front. Oh, their aunts and uncles were. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what's the uh what's the running back for um that was at USC with Reggie Bush. Bush. No, mm-hmm. no, with oh, him. Oh, uh, Ladania, uh, Lindell White. L- Lindell White. Yeah. He had a, he had a, he was on a podcast. Said he got an apartment, and when he moved in, there was a, a brown paper bag with about two hundred thousand dollars just sitting there. Yeah, there you go. Didn't know where it oh. came from. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. It's a it happy accident. It fell from the ceiling. Sometimes that happens in new <laughs> new apartments when you walk in. Yeah. It's just cash yeah. laying on the floor, sure. and you don't you just take it and you just accept it as a gift. Mm-hmm. From God. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Put a notice? <laughs> God was involved there. 
You put out a notice, and you're going to have everybody coming over trying to claim it. It's safer if you just hang on to it. Much safer right. that way. Right. Yeah. You take care of that until the owner shows up. I just picture I just picture some of these kids getting getting like, going in like Linda White saw going into an apartment, right? $200,000 in a brown paper bag. Then I picture Jamie Rivers in, you know, Russia in a boiler room. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trying to protect his like thirty thousand dollars, whatever you were making at the time, so that yep. the same people that gave you to it for to play hockey there wouldn't try to rob you back <laughs> to get the money back. back. Yeah, so, Gary, that's the two differences. Let's put, it, let's put it this way: it'd be like he walked in, saw the two hundred grand on the ground on on the table. And the moment he picked it up, somebody bust through the door trying to take it back. <laughs> you know, that's kind of uh, that's kind of what I was dealing with. That's incredible. Oh man! I turned into Jason Bourne overnight. <laughs> <laughs> he sleeps standing up with one eye open. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. oh I had I had weapons under my bed. Don't I, my one door connected to the outside? People would get hammered in the park and start banging on the doors. Oh man! My first night there, I jumped up and I was like, didn't know what the hell to do. So I started sleeping with weapons underneath my bed. Oh, True story. Got to stay safe. That's though. crazy. All right. Uh, <laughs> we only got Jamie for one more segment. Right? You're out after this, right, Jamie? Yes, sir. Okay. So Jamie's got to cover blues and cracking for Bally Sports Midwest. So let's get to some keys to victory. Uh, I won't put a number on it, Jamie. Cause... 87 felt good to me. Yeah, I don't eight, know. I kind of liked a... 87 as well, but. It's a good year. <laughs> it's up to Jamie. How many keys to victory tonight for the blues? Might be one, might be 92. We don't know. We'll find out. Plus, we'll have the first goal of the game after Carey cashed the other night. So Jamie, Nice Carey, by the way. I was thinking about you. I was like, damn, look at him go. <laughs> Jamie with three, Carey with two. I got one. Marsh has one. And Bradford can pick for Marsh when we do our first goal of the game next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hockey tonight against the Kraken. Jamie Rivers will have the coverage for you on Bally Sports Midwest. Of course, we'll have the radio side of it for you. 101 ESPN, the Blues Radio Network. Puck drops at 9. We'll have the pregame for you at 8. Jamie, what are our keys to victory tonight for the Blues as they go for four straight? All right, guys. Well, we talked about this already in the show, and this is going to be my biggest focal point of the night, and it's limiting the turnovers. The Blues have to absolutely not turn the puck over, whether it's at center ice or at the Kraken blue line. They love to turn the puck up the ice with speed. I call it the old turn and burn, and you better be careful because then you're playing defense the rest of the night or most of the night, and that's not optimal for the success of the team. Key number two, pucks in deep. So along the lines of limiting the turnovers, you get pucks in deep. This is a defensive core for the Kraken that like to get the puck and move it up the ice. You look at Larson, you look at Dunn, you look at Schultz. These guys are all guys that like to be up in the play and joining the attack. And if you make them go back for pucks, it makes it a lot harder. And if you make them defend while playing in their own zone, it tuckers you out a little bit. Takes a little bit of that offensive flair out of your game. So for me, pucks in deep will also be a key. Key number three, lots of traffic in front of the net. I think that the Blues have 
learned here over the last handful of games that many bodies to the net create many opportunities offensively. And against the Kraken tonight is no different. Jake Neighbors, Oscar Sundquist, Pavel Buchnevich, all of you guys, Brandon Saad, get to the front of the net. It will pay off for you, especially against some of these defensemen. They're a little smaller for the Kraken, maybe not as physical, apart from Jamie Alexiak, who's an absolute mutant out there. <laughs> but stay away from him, okay? <laughs> Key number four, defend the middle of the ice. This team has great team speed. Uh, the Kraken has great team speed. And they like to try and get the pucks to the middle of the ice quickly. They do have guys that will get to the front of the net, including smaller players like uh, Jaden Schwartz and, and Matty Beniers. And these guys, they love to get to that inside ice. The Blues are going to have to defend the middle of the ice. Those are my keys. All right, let's do the first goal of the game. Let's go, boys. We need you to score more goals. Get those loose pucks. Thomas, DeCairo, score! No big deal. Game winner. All right, uh, Jamie, you're still leading us with three goals. Carry with two. I have one. Marsh has one. Bradford's going to pick for Marsh tonight. Jamie? Okay. Who are you going with? Um, yeah, tonight I feel like it's time, and I think that Robert Thomas gets first goal tonight. I feel like he's been a part of the offense here from the outside, looking in a little bit. He's been moving the puck and some assists. But I think tonight is the night where he busts out here, gets a goal, like two assists or something like that. But I, I think he gets the first goal. All right. Kerry? I'm feeling like it's a Blues defenseman for some reason. Hmm. Just feel I know you like I know you like to hear that, right, Jamie? You you enjoy I love it. when the D scores. Uh Tory Crew. Well said. <laughs> Tory Crew. Can I recommend Justin Falk? Is Tory Krug out? No, Justin Falk is out. Yeah. No, I don't want Justin Falk. <laughs> I play to win, Kerry. I play to win. I'm going to go with Tory. All right. All right. Thank Bra- you. Bradford. It's not quite <laughs> chalk, at least this season. Jordan Cairo, a couple of nights ago, guys, against Vancouver, he logged over 17 minutes of ice time yet again. Didn't register a shot on goal, though. You have the feeling that he's going to come out this evening in Seattle and be the aggressor. Expect about four to five shots on goal, the first of which is going to result in that tally. All right, mate, give me the give me the hot hand here. Braden Shen. He's got three goals in his last five games, allowing eleven shots. He's blocked four. He's got one power play goal. Short handed goal. He's just scoring. I took him the other night when he scored second, so that didn't do <laughs> do me any good. But uh, I'm gonna take Braden Shen tonight. First goal of the game. Nice pick. Okay, thank you. There you have it. First, first goal of the game. All right, Jamie. We'll see you on Monday, you guys want man. My pick. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you board. got for bet we the board? We don't want to pick for what you. Did, what did you have last night? Uh, not the right one. Uh, yeah. Did we all come up short last I night? The, I lost. I had the Islanders beating the Canadians. It was three nothing before I could even turn the TV. <laughs> That's right. It was first. Yeah, Montreal yeah. hung three on you. Yeah, they did. But then the Islanders did fight back and end up losing four to three. But still, not great. I had the. Flames scoring over three goals. Columbus was the team that scored over three in that matchup. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I came up short. Yeah, I had the 76ers beating the Pacers. They lost outright, didn't they? Yep, they hey. sure did. I don't, and I don't remember <laughs> what Tyrus Halliburton even playing. <laughs> Marshy was golden, though. Marsh got uh, the one to come through. Yeah, he went on the hockey side as well, and he was saved by the fact that the Ducks and the Stars went to OT. The 
ultimate goal actually resulted in goal number seven. Oh. Six and a half was the number yeah. they went over. Okay. Good job there, Marsh. Marshy's tied with me now. I think so. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's got eight points now. Yeah. Going into the final week. This is not care. We need we need to go Sorry, here. Wes. All right. Uh, <laughs> my <time>. pick <laughs> tonight, the, the Los Angeles Kings are spiraling down in the standings. And their reward for that is they visit the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado. But that's not my pick. Uh, I'm going with the <laughs> Florida Panthers over the Penguins. Minus 130 for the Panthers. Matthew Kachuk has 26 points his last 15 games. Physically, they've been pummeling teams. They put an absolute beating on your Coyotes the other night, Anthony. My Coyotes. <laughs> I think that the Penguins, I don't think they match up well against the Panthers. So I've got the Panthers winning this one. All right, there you have it. So yeah, Jamie's bet the board. We'll do ours later on in the show. Jamie, have a great call tonight. We'll see you on Monday. All right, guys, have a great one. Take Thank you. you. There you go. That's Jamie Rivers. Final hour of the show coming up. More of your Cardinals mic drops. We'll get into the NFC Championship game. Biggest question of the day. Fader follow all ahead in the final hour of the show. But more of your Cardinals mic drops next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think it's got to be Dylan Carlson because it sounds like Tommy Edmond you know, may or may not be ready for opening day. Probably leaning towards not going to be ready. So the guy that we all thought was going to be your fourth outfielder now all of a sudden... He's going to get a shot, and if Dylan Carlson can take advantage of this opportunity, I mean, I think it definitely helps you defensively, but certainly it helps you from a lineup perspective as well. It just makes your lineup that much deeper. So talking about guys who have the most to prove, I think Dylan Carlson's got to be near, if not at the top of that list. That was from Michael. Appreciate you uh, chiming in here for the mic drop theme of the day, which is that in four weeks from tomorrow, the Cardinals will head to spring training. Who is under, well, I was going to say who's under the most pressure. It's actually who's who's got the most to prove. And, you know, if you're just going to just isolate one player based on playing time, mm-hmm. opportunities, where they are in their career, w- prospect-wise in the past – Michael nailed it. It's Dylan Carlson. When you factor in all of the, all of that, Dylan Carlson right now projects to be your fourth outfielder. But as Michael noted, Tommy Edmond is banged up. He's got the wrist injury. They'll probably play it safe with him in spring training. And it's going to open up possibilities for Dylan Carlson. We can get into the pitching aspect. I got I got cute with the Mo under, you know, the most approved category. But if you're just going to do one player in a vacuum here, and talk about most approved in spring training. It, Michael's right. It's probably Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about him. If he is, if he does all of the things that we think he can do, or he has been projected to do, or the player that he was his rookie year, then that alleviates a lot of issues for the Cardinals, in my opinion. It allows you to play your best second baseman at second base. It allows you to put one of your better athletes in center field, which I think is awesome. So. It just for me, him playing well, obviously it's great for him, but it also helps this team out. 
in a, in a really good way. And Dylan Carlson has no choice here but to be opportunistic because a couple of weeks ago, we're not even having this conversation. It's irrelevant because right. given the way in which you would like to see so many fans and so many outsiders, so many observers want to see the Cardinals assemble their starting nine this year, you're not going to the reserve well that much. You wouldn't ordinarily, right? You want Jordan Walker, you want Lars Newbar and conceivably Tommy Edmond when he's right to get the lion's share of reps out there. So really, for more reasons than usual, it is incumbent upon Dylan Carlson to show out a bit, I would say, in spring training, because otherwise, yes, the defensive element here, you can't ignore it. Notwithstanding, Alec Burleson wouldn't be in a position to maybe get more of those ABs, too. Dylan Carlson obviously gets first dibs because of his ability and his versatility in the outfield, but he's not hitting, if he's not hitting, Mm -hmm. specifically against right-handed pitching. What's he going to do for you? Yeah, I don't, and I don't want to see... Just bat right-handed, man. I don't want to see Alec Burleson in in the outfield again. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, they because they that, did that. He's not a center fielder, which means you got to put Lars in center and he's right. in left. And I don't. Want, I just don't. Uh, you need good defense. Period. But what if he what if he develops a little more pop? What Brad, if we start to actually see that and he becomes dangerous in the lower half? Bradford, that would be enticing. Bradford, I don't want to see him in the outfield. <laughs> All right, mix and uh, match a DH. I don't want to see the mixing matching. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> It I don't is, know why you're it, forcing it this. It is going to happen. Uh, you just you signed Matt Carpenter, Alec Burleson. Quite frankly, he's done. <laughs> I don't know that that's how that nah, works. No, <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. All right, more of your mic drops here. Let's see, let's get to Vincent. He's got a thought on the offense when it comes to who's got the who or what has the most to prove. Hey guys, as far as who's got the most to prove in this upcoming season, I would say it's the offense. Um, no matter what you think of the pitching staff or the offseason moves, this team leans on offense if they're going to win it's going to be because of offense and that's that's how they've done it we can agree with it we can we can disagree with it but we have a patchwork rotation and what really should be a top 10 offense so paul goldschmidt are you old or or are you going to figure it out nolan arenado was it colorado or are you going to put together a mvp type season jordan walker really good rookie year need you to grow up quickly um but that's just my opinion uh thanks guys I I don't think you can do anything without pitching. We we tried last year. It's going to be hard to outscore teams every single night. You're going to have to have – I get it. The the hitters, you want them to have success. You want them to hit with runners in scoring position. You want them to to get runners on second with less than two outs. All of the great things that come with scoring runs. But if you are unable to – dominate on the mound. You got to have a guy that dominates, not every time, not every fifth day, but you got to have a guy that can be a stopper that will go out there and make sure nothing bad happens to us today because I'm not going to allow it. And it it starts with the pitching. And so if you don't have those guys, because other teams got those guys, which means the Cardinals aren't going to offensively be able to batter and bruise teams every single day. Vincent omitted one name. And Stoltz, I know you don't want to play the mix and match game okay. at designated here. So with no. that in mind. Bradford, no, 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 no. you're not listening. No, no, follow me here. Follow me here. Follow me here. Let me guide you along the path. Please. So having said that, Wilson Contreras is going to be receiving, we would think, all of the reps or virtually all of the reps as much as you can in Major League Baseball as a catcher in 2024. Wilson Contreras was not mentioned. Here's what I find interesting. In the second half of last season, 
I would contend that you saw the best offensive version of Wilson Contreras that we're going to get. Mm. Now, with more of that onus every single day being placed on him, the defensive responsibilities, learning, yes, there are veterans coming in in Gray, Gibson, as well as Lynn. But you're essentially learning the better part of a whole new staff. There is a lot of stuff to balance, a lot of different elements there. And yet... You still need Wilson Contreras to be the same offensive performer, if not better. That's where a lot of pressure is coming from, in my opinion. And that is not a narrative that we've explored this offseason. So not only are you trying to jam Alec Burleson into this lineup, <laughs> you are also suggesting that Wilson Contreras is going to take a step back this year offensively. It's open to interpretation. Well, I don't think. This I, is I, a I, lot, Brad, <laughs> for the last five minutes. I am I like, I like not Wilson. liking your attitude. I like Wilson. I like Wilson. Um I like him even more after figuring out and finding out what we learned about him, yeah. you know, from his teammates and former teammates in some cases uh, about what happened last year. I don't have any issues with Wilson Contreras. I think you you saw what you were going to see out of him. He's going to do a great job at the plate. He can do a better job behind the plate. I think some of it more than anything is the framing of pitches, which Yachty was so, so good at. You know, if you jerk it one <laughs> pause. If you jerk the ball back one way, it's gonna be, it's gonna be noticeable for the umpire rather than just sliding it there. Right. So, you know, it, it those are some things that you can work on. And maybe Yadier being around a little bit more can assist with that role. But the the lineup for me, I think you got guys if if as long as Nolan Arenado and, and Paul Goldschmidt hit in the manner in which they have shown throughout their entire career, mm. you'll be fine. Stoltz, seriously here, how much do you want to see? <laughs> how much really, though? How much do you want to see? How much should we see from Yvonne Herrera? That's a good question. Really? I think I think if Wills Contreras catches, I think we had this conversation last week, and I would mentioned this. So you get six games typically during a week, right? You get one off day, whether it's Monday or Thursday, you typically get one off day, so you get six games. If Wilson Contreras caught four of those and DH the other two and Yvonne Herrera caught twice, I, I, I think that's pretty good. I think you have to get Yvonne Herrera more reps behind the plate. Now maybe, 40, 40 games? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't think I don't think that's too big of a number. I don't either. I think you need to get the young kid going. This is a perfect opportunity with a guy that in Wilson Contreras is that isn't the best defensive catcher. You've got the DH. There's really no excuse not to get Yvonne Herrera 40 to 45 starts. And, and maybe more. I mean, you can still keep Wilson in the lineup as a DH. You, you yeah. could have him catching 100 games and, and Yvonne Herrera catching 50 to 60. I, I think that would. I don't think that that would be terrible. I just don't. 110 games, I think, would be better. I just don't understand from where these DH okay. at-bats are coming. <laughs> That's Where? I mean, in all honesty, do you legitimately think that Nolan Gorman is going to be playing every daily at second day. base? No, he's DHing every okay. day. Uh, and Brendan Donovan is going to be your second baseman because Tommy Edmund is your center fielder. And yet the maintenance days, they pile up for Goldschmidt, for Arnado. Matt Carpenter. <laughs> in all seriousness, why did they sign Matt Carpenter? <laughs> he's going. Somebody needs a, a day I, off. I'm. I'm Somebody needs okay. a day off. But Matt so, Carpenter is a left-handed bat. You've got Burleson, who's a left-handed bat that's on your bench. You've got some somebody's Can not going to be play playing. third base? No, he's okay. a DH. Well, then that's why. You like Matt Carpenter a third? I don't know. Oh, oh boy. I'm trying to reason. You don't. You solve. Don't. Problem solve. That's why we're here, isn't it? <laughs> well, do better. <laughs> I don't like your answers. I didn't sign them. <laughs> 
trying to figure out what the role is going to be. From a roster standpoint, I don't understand it. You know what? Here's like at thing. all. Here's the thing, Anthony. And I don't know what Matt Carpenter's role. I, I would like to know what he was told his role is going to be. Because to sign, obviously, as a player, we want to play. Even the older you get, you understand that maybe that might need, might not be your role every day. But you know, we'll get you 60 games somehow, 70 games somehow. With as many people that take days off and, and how the people get injured. Why are guys taking so many days off? But people are going to get injured, Anthony. This is an Atlanta, Anthony. It's they not. We don't day. play 160. What, are, what is wrong with you? You think we're going to play 155 games with one you know guy? Interesting about, you know what's interesting <laughs> about the four teams, the four teams that are playing play on Sunday? You know, you know what the, oh, what's what, interesting about what, the four about teams that play guys? on Sunday? They practice. <laughs> they do. They practice deep into the year. They and do. Yeah, they're dealing with injuries. But, but they, they're still they're, playing. They're tough. Yeah. They're physical. So are you telling me if They're you want to be the Eagles who stopped practicing two months ago and got bounced? You're quickly. telling me in order to be a championship team, you got to play yes. and practice. Yes. Who the hell decided that? I've got a theory for you. <laughs> I really do. I know you agree with me. Role definition for Matt champion. Carpenter. It's going to be a role that we have not seen actually play out for the Cardinals or many other major league clubs for over a decade, and that is the classic Lenny Harris, Manny Moda esque specific by pitcher pinch hitter late in games. He is that pop off the bench (laughs) and you get him an AB or two every couple of series. And he is relegated to that. What is the matter with as much? That's fine. Okay. No, I don't have a problem with that. Honestly, Bradford, nice job. Lean into one, pull it, sell out, swing for the stands. Dorn that thing. Do you think? Roger Dorn? Mm Mm-hmm. He wasn't good at third base. Didn't, you keep trying to put him at third. <laughs> you keep trying to put him at third. I don't know why. Bradford's talking about pinch hitting. Oh, okay. Well, I think Roger Dorn. I think Dorn get in front of the damn ball, Dorn. Didn't this guy used to pitch you inside? Go lean into one. <laughs> Better catcher, Wilson Contreras or Tom Berenger, and I'll see oh, myself out. Tom Berenger, definitely. Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor. I mean, he was gritty. Gritty. He was gritty. You yeah. see him bunt that ball and lay it of out to first base. <sighs> I always love the I always love the slow-mo. I mean that movie is that movie is so funny. Like that is held up. Funny. I love it. But at the end when he lays that thing down and you got that slow-mo and he's got he, the the hat, the helmet comes yeah. off and his hair is gone and he's like giving it everything he got, man. <laughs> Two bad knees. I love it. It's slow. That music is perfect oh. as he's running down there. He's the- rounding third. <laughs> hey, maybe before long you'll see Wesley Snipes in the form of Victor Scott. There, there you go. go. In the loop. Nice. Like it. All right. Uh, we talked about the AFC championship game earlier. Let's get into the NFC championship. The Lions, the 49ers. We have the latest on Debo Samuel and how much he impacts this game. Next, I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NFC Championship game, Lions 49ers, and it should be a good one. Debo Samuel, officially active, or well, we don't know the actives yet, but he's he's not on the injury report. He's practicing. He's practicing. 
it's going to be a situation where he, whether or not he can tolerate, uh, tolerate, I don't know what tolerate is, tolerate <laughs> the pain. But Kyle Shanahan said that Debo Samuel's shoulder was a full go in Friday's practice and will play in Sunday's NFC, NFC Championship game against the Lions. If we're going to attack this from Detroit's standpoint, since they're the underdog, what's the, what's, what's the path to victory, in your opinion? Well, be explosive on offense. You got a lot of guys that can make plays. Monroe St. Brown should get targeted 12 times. You should throw the ball to Sam Laporta. He is a mass, mismatch, a matchup nightmare for defensive uh, backs and, and, and safeties. And then you got Jameer Gibbs and, and, and Montgomery. Be able to allow those guys to find space in the running game, and Jameer can get space in the passing game. So you got a lot of weapons. Utilize them. Jamison Williams, if you can get him downfield to stretch the field and keep the defense honest, do all of those things. And on the defensive side, man, get after the quarterback. Aiden Hutchinson got to have a game. He got to get – they have to get after the quarterback, and they have to try as best as they can to limit the big runs. It, first down runs, you need to tackle Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You need to get him down after a two-yard game gain. If he's able to get a six-yard, eight-yard gain now – you're running the risk of play-action pass on second down. You're running mm -hmm. the risk of the entire playbook being open for for uh, San Francisco. So first down, getting after the ball carrier, getting them on the ground, get after the quarterback when they drop back and pass, and limit the big plays in that offense from the San Francisco 49ers. CD, speaking of the pass rush from Detroit, you know what you're going to get from Hutchinson. He is the constant. He is the stalwart. He has eight sacks in the past four games, but in so many other respects, the rest of that Lions defense, quite honestly, it's a wild card situation. Now, this is a team that does really love to blitz, though, on first and second down. What have you seen in terms of your film study relating to Brock Purdy as far as his ability to throw a little more off platform? How can he still be effective? Well, he, he, they don't, they, because of their run game and how well they run the football, if you force that team to have to drop back five step drop, seven step drop, where he has to read the defense and decide where the ball needs to go and you're getting pressure in his face, I think that puts him in, in jeopardy. I think that puts their team in jeopardy. When you are able to create pressure, I mean, that's any quarterback. There are throws that Brock Purdy doesn't make that I think some other quarterbacks would make. But if you get pressure on him or create pressure up the middle and allow your secondary to not have to cover for four or five seconds and you can get after the quarterback with pressure – Aiden Hutchinson creates a lot of pressure. So, you know, I think they'll I think that's the way to defeat them. Stop them from running the ball first and foremost. You cannot allow San Francisco San Francisco to get going in the run game because if they do, they will take your soul away from you. <laughs> Period. They will. They will run the ball at you and be more physical and be tougher than you. And Dan Campbell, we know that that's not what he believes in. They believe in being the most physical team. So, Stop the run first, and then all other things tend to fall in place. If you can get after the quarterback, you will have success in this game. What's interesting about this this matchup is that Detroit's offensive line is outstanding. They've got one of the best O-lines in football, and, of course, San Francisco can generate a pretty good pass rush with Bosa. Mm -hmm. But the Green Bay Packers also kind of outlined how to move the ball against San Francisco, and that's get to the edges and run the ball. I mean, Aaron Jones had a really, really good game last week. If Jameer Gibbs can get can get going I, I think this is a Gibbs game it's not a Montgomery game Montgomery let M Montgomery might be used on the goal line mm -hmm. right but if you're gonna run the ball you're gonna run the ball at the edges with Gibbs and get him involved in the passing game as well 
Other than that, I really do think San Francisco can be thrown on outside. Mm-hmm. Like Fred Warner is going to cover the whole damn field, but he's typically going to stay in the middle. You're going to know where he's at. So I don't know if this is – I hope the local product, Sam, Sam Laporta, has a, has a big game. He's had an in, incredible season. I don't know how, how he matches up, if they're going to li- line him up with the safety or, or if it is Warner. That's going to be a tough draw. It is. They're going to have to come o- over the middle. But if you do that, then your middle, you got a modern Brown. St. Brown. Yeah. I imagine <laughs> they'll probably go Warner – Warner Gray with and Brown, Brown, and then probably it's one a, of their safeties. Mismatch. Fred Warner's outstanding. It is, but you, the the reason why Detroit has been so good is because when you are able to get the ball to all five eligible receivers, mm-hmm. it's problematic for a defense. There, there, there's just not enough people to rush. And enough people to cover. Amon Ross St. Brown should garner two people. Four eyeballs should be on him at all times. Sam Laporta, if you're going to put four eyeballs on him too, now who else is going to cover the other three eligibles? It just makes it difficult. Reynolds has had a, had, had a really good postseason. Yeah. They, they, are, they are, because they have so many weapons, it's hard to defense them. And so you have to make a decision. Am I going to try to get after the quarterback? Probably should. Because if you pressure Jared Goff, we talked about it, he... Eh, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Probably, <laughs> you know. So that might he hasn't be. He has not had that golf moment in a <laughs> he while. He did, man. The ball he threw the ball backwards. Oh, Whoa, right. Who was that? It wasn't Tampa Bay. Who was the Rams? Yeah, it was against he the Rams. It's a wild card thing. game. Like, yeah, get this out of my. What are you doing, Jared? Yeah. Like, put pressure on him. But again, if you don't pressure these quarterbacks. They're too good to to sit back in the pocket and be able to pick you apart. The Lions absolutely need to get a lead too. That is the way to beat the 49ers. If exactly. you go back to because the three, they, the three losses, they can't run the football. They can't run the football. It, everything's got to be set up through through that run game. This is why Kyle Shanahan has such a horrendous record in the fourth quarter when he's a coordinator or head coach. It's because that that offense isn't as effective. It's not that he's not good, but that is not a team. They're like, oh, this is a great offense. You can come back against anybody. No, you can't. They need to stay on scripts, and then once they have a lead, the full playbook is open. All those formations, they 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 typically run the the same play out of different formations. Yeah, that's the that's the key to the offense. But if you don't have to respect that because you have the lead, San Francisco is a different yeah. team. And so many eyes, understandably, are going to be on St. Brown. They're going to be on obviously Laporta. But Kerry, what is it about? Reynolds in your estimation especially in the last few weeks of the regular season as far as one-on-one ability there his ability to maybe be that secondary vertical threat for golf because Stoltz as you have said over the last couple of weeks from time to time too perhaps San Francisco's D especially that second level and in the secondary more vulnerable than a lot of just general observers would take away from this season well he's finding a way to get open I mean the the again when you have that many guys that can make plays, if Jamison Williams is on the field, if Reynolds is on the field, and Amon Ross St. Brown is on the field, your best corner, if you are in man, is going to go to Amon Ross St. Brown. Your next best corner is probably going to go to Jamison because he can flat out fly, and you don't want to get beat over the top, mm-hmm. which means your third best player is covering the third best receiver, and generally the third best receiver is going to be better than that third cornerback. So it's 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 a mismatch because of what they can do. And again, if you decide to play zone and drop people into coverage, they got guys that can attack and find holes and find ways to get open. It's creating pressure on Jared Goff to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. And if you do that, you'll have success. If you allow him to sit back there, if you allow them to get on the edge with the running game, 
you're going to have a long day because we saw you. You are correct, Anthony. We saw the blueprint last week. Green Bay should have won that game. This game should be played in 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 Detroit this weekend versus Green Bay. Green Bay gave that game away more than I feel that San Francisco went and took it back. Yeah. And so just those things, if Green Bay showed you the, the path to beating them at home, you can say the rain, the weather, all of that, both teams playing in it. Mm-hmm. Green Bay played a better game for 58 minutes of that game and then couldn't feel, finish, the, finish the deal. Yep. So Detroit, a better roster, a better team. Maybe a better quarterback right now. Maybe not in the future. But they should have an opportunity. I, I, I don't have a pick yet for this one, though. Well, you better get one because we got the biggest question of the day, and the biggest question of the day is going to be, what's your pick? And we'll, we'll have the, the lines for you, too. Next, I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. That's right. Time for the biggest question of the day. What do you got, Bradford? Gentlemen, we're not going to dress this one up. We're getting straight to the point because Sunday is Championship Sunday this weekend. You've got Lions and 49ers. You have the Ravens as well as the Chiefs. Straight up, who's prevailing? What is the Super Bowl matchup we're going to see and why? All right, so let's start with the first game. Let's start with the first game. This is the AFC Championship game. Yeah. And we can throw out some we'll – do, we'll do the spread too, okay, because the point spread for Ravens and Chiefs is Ravens minus 3.5. 49ers are now minus 7.5 against the Lions. Okay. I like the Ravens. I know it's, I know it's scary to, to lay points against Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. when he has been so good as an underdog. I forget what the, the exact number is. But like straight up, for even yeah. forget against some spread. He's just been incredible straight up what, in games when he's you, an underdog. What do you call that number three and a half? Is that what is the term? It's a hook. Well, oh. you're dealing with the hook. And what is that? Because uh, because of the half. Goal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So three would be it's off a key number. Key number. That's yeah. What, that's so yeah. Key number three. Field goal. You feel like oh three. That's Seven. Okay. Win by a field goal. Yeah. When you throw the half on there, hey. the hook. You got to like, win basketball. It's off. A, it's off a key number. I've. But couldn't you see? I mean, could you? Couldn't you see twenty four twenty? Could you see twenty seven twenty? Twenty seven twenty four. I could. Three. I feel like twenty eight twenty four feels four touchdowns for Baltimore feels like a lot, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why either. I could see twenty eight twenty four. I could see that as well, but that that's four touchdowns. Right. I feel like you're going to kick a couple of field goals, so I would say. Somewhere 27, 21, 27, 24, which is scary because, again, that's three and a half. You, you could win or you're going to lose. Right. Um, but I think Baltimore wins the game. And I'm going to say 27, 24. So you, you like Kansas City plus a three and a half. No. You're hedging I here. don't. <laughs> I like the Ravens to win straight up. Uh, but give me the points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I just think Baltimore wins the game. They could win somewhere between six and three. I, I feel like Justin uh, Tucker 
will have a couple of kicks. Mm-hmm. I want to say Justin Tuck. <laughs> His big Hopefully, tail ain't kicking if he's kick, yeah, if he's kicking for Baltimore, I don't like him anymore. I don't like it either. But you know, they'll have a few kicks, um, a few field goals going. So I, I like Baltimore to win the game at home. Here's here's my thing on Kansas City too. And again, I, I realize that like this is one of those where you start talking about the Ravens, you hype, and then the, and then Mahomes has a Mahomes game, and you're like, you're the dummy that that mm-hmm. went against him. I yeah. get it. This is this is scary. But when you look at Kansas City, we've talked about this before. Buffalo couldn't get off the field against them last week, and it still came down to a missed field goal. Yeah. And we could talk about the McCall Harmon play, but if Buffalo doesn't fake the punt, we're still kind of in the same area. I thought Kansas City dominated Buffalo's defense last week. They won by three. Miami. I didn't feel like they dominated them. I know. You and I were all I didn't feel like that was a domination. Kansas City barely punted. I'm just talking about. Well, I'm just Buffalo talking about neither. No, no, no. I'm talking about Kansas City against Buffalo's defense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that even plays into the point, though, right? So even in a game where Mahomes was great and Kelsey was great mm-hmm. and Pacheco was great, you still you still won by three. Why? Your defense really didn't tackle that well. Yeah. You're banged up a little bit now on that side of the ball. You're banged up along your O line. This is not Miami, mm-hmm. who was done. They were dead on arrival. When they got off the plane, man. Exactly. Yeah. You go back. You go back even to forget the Chargers game in Week 18. That was you know you weren't you weren't playing anybody. But Cincinnati, you needed 687 Harrison Bucker field goals to win that one <laughs> against a backup quarterback. And Jake Browning had been playing better, but regardless, it was an arrowhead. Yeah. And you need Cincinnati. If you watch that game, they gave Kansas City everything. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell didn't didn't complete a pass in the second half. Beat, they won. Beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Yeah. New England, you're you're playing Bailey Zappi, one by ten in that one. Game probably shouldn't have been that close. You lost to Buffalo. You lost to Green Bay. This has been Kansas City's week in and week out since December. Yeah. It feels There's like something it stops off now. here. Yeah. It feels like it stops now. Like I, they've been getting away with it, skating right. by. This Baltimore team, by far, is going to be the best and most complete team that they have faced since Green Bay in Week 13. I saw a stat the other day said Baltimore was six and zero during the regular season versus opponents that were five hundred or that were above five hundred. They beat the crap and out beat of them teams. by twenty six point yes. something points. I saw a similar statistic. They, yeah. They're like th- they won by thirteen something against playoff teams. Yeah. I mean, this is a juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore team. So I got the Ravens. I got them winning. I got them covering. And uh, I'll sit there and watch Mahomes throw, th- throw for 350. And, you know, yeah. I'll have my tail between my legs come Monday. Hey, he's going 350. <laughs> got enough receivers catching the mini passes. Very well could. You never Good bet point. against Mahomes, except <laughs> no. in this instance. Hey, you guys already hit the nail on the head. At some point, the other shoe is going to drop. And Kansas City has been riding that line for weeks, even you could say for months on end. Too many question marks as far as Mahomes and his supporting cast. Not having Tooney, in case you missed it earlier in the program, Tooney is not going to be there. He will be inactive on Sunday. In addition to that, Pacheco having the toe issue may be hindering, compromising his ability to be able to cut and mosey the ball upfield. I also think, however that there is just enough in the tank, not only from a Holmes, but from an improvisational standpoint. I would not say this about any other quarterback in the league, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson included, enough in his massive, massive array of skills to keep this one close. Now, would I pick Kansas City straight up? Absolutely not. But for Baltimore to win by a touchdown plus, I think that is too far of a bridge to cross until it is actually proven to us. I also think that Kansas City, Spagnuolo, his unit, 
they find a way to be able to get enough stops around the red zone to make this close into the fourth quarter. So Kansas City against the spread, Baltimore outright. He did the thing. He did what you did. Eh, come on, all, come on, guys. Yeah, Baltimore's come on, guys. I just don't know how much they're going to win by. It's CD, difficult. I'm going to tell you something right now. Detail. You do not be te- you. You do not join the text chain <laughs> over the weekend if the Ravens start rolling. And you're like, ah, see, this is what I'm telling you guys. Uh-uh. Uh, no, I'm the one that. laying the points here. You are. Come on, man. All right. NFC Championship game. All right, Lions. give me Baltimore minus three and a half. Now we're talking. Yes, we'll see. There we no. go. <laughs> staying, my brother. Staying put because I don't have to see you guys on my day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, NFC Championship game. 5.30 kickoff between the Lions and the 49ers. I saw your face when I mentioned the spread is now up to seven and a half at yes. some books. Whew. I'm looking at FanDuel right now. It is seven and a half. The Lions are plus seven and a half. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I'm taking the Lions. I, thank you. I don't take them to win. <laughs> That's a oh, Anthony. Uh, this one is is a, is an intriguing game mm-hmm. because again, how is Debo Samuel really? He's going to play. I know he's going to give it the old college try, right? He's going to go out there and give you everything he has. Yeah. But if that shoulder is, he couldn't finish the game last week. So that right. lets me know that it's it, it's banged up. If you can't finish a game, you're usually hurt. And they were losing. Yeah, you're, all you're game. injured when you can't finish a game. It's, Good call. And so to come back, here's the thing about practicing this week. He hasn't had any contact on that shoulder. He hasn't run into anybody. He probably has a red jersey on, meaning do not touch. You know, just staying away from all contact. If they're even in pads, Anthony, I, I don't know at this point if they're even wearing pads for practice at this point. So. You won't know how well Debo Samuel is in this game until he takes his first hit. Mm-hmm. And the Detroit Lions are going to try to hit him. They're going to try to make life hard on him to, te- to test him to see if he's able to go. If he's unable to go or play at his le- he probably won't be in the backfield running the football. That's one less thing you have to worry about in terms of getting hit. So with that being said, I'm probably going to take the Detroit Lions. To Out. win. Outright? Yeah. Hey, now. You're kind of right. crazy. Oh, no. Well, I don't think you're crazy. Bolt. But I just want to I want to get your pick on record here because you are I get, you're I mean, limping here. I know. I, I'm really am. I hurt my knee. I was standing here. I don't you're know always hurting your knee. Would <laughs> you play are, football? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah. You know what? No. Just give me the Lions plus seven and a half. I'll take the I'll take the points. All right. You talked me out of it. You talked me I'm, out of it. No, you talked me. You talked me into the other one, and you talked me out of this one. I'm not talking Even if you they in or win, out of it. I still I'm win. just asking. I'm just, just trying to get. Yeah. You know, listeners are like, "What did Kerry pick?" Yeah, they want to know your pick. All right, yeah. Bradford. I hate being a copycat here. Nonetheless, no. Let's break it down a little bit. This feels like a classic George Kittle spot to me. I think in terms of removing some of that pressure, the onus from Debo Samuel, whatever he is able to give you, and obviously the availability of Samuel, it changes everything. It changes the way in which a Brandon Ayuk is deployed, his responsibilities too. With all things being considered as equal, I'm very eager to see whether Dan Campbell and the Lions are able to be 
as impervious in the face of the pressure, the stakes, as they have been all season long. And what I mean by that is early in the game on first and second down defensively, are they going to sell out? Are they going to blitz Brock Purdy? Are they going to try to make him as uncomfortable as possible, knowing they have to force a couple of turnovers on that side of the ball to really stay in this game? Because if you're San Francisco, that front four is going to be able to stiffen, I believe, against David Montgomery. As you said earlier in the show, Kerry, it's going to come down to a guy like Shamir Gibbs making some interstellar type plays. Can he get out in space? Can he give you that game-breaking performance? It feels in a lot of ways like a backdoor cover of sorts to me. The number is too big now at 7.5. Detroit against the spread, but San Fran advances to the Super Bowl. So I was, I've been saying how Detroit's going to keep this game close since last week when I saw Carrie's face after I said the seven and a half and Carrie got giddy <laughs> I realized what my play is because Carrie I think that a lot of people are going to have that same reaction or have had that same reaction of this is way too many points mm-hmm. which indicates to me that we have got a blowout central here Hmm. San Francisco's going to roll. Could be. Three players are going to roll. You mentioned one of them, Bradford. It's going to be George Kittle. George Kittle's going to have at least one tutty, if not multiple tutties. Brandon Ayuk is going to have over 100. The corners for Detroit are not good. So Ayuk is going to go nuts. I don't think it's a Debo Samuel game, regardless of if he's healthy. I think McCaffrey's still going to have a big game. And the unfortunate lion and I know a lot of, a lot of people kind of jumped on the lions bandwagon here so they hate me now but I think the lions storybook season comes to an end oh, when Jared Goff throws not one not two but three picks oh, <laughs> three yeah. trio Ooh. one to fred one to fred warner who I know you just you're not a big fan of. No, he's the best defensive. Fred. Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fred Warner came downhill on Najee Harris the first week of the season. I said, "Oh yeah, Fred Warner's awesome. <laughs> he is." So, awesome. Niners minus seven and a half. Ravens Niners SB. All right, there you have it. That's a compelling matchup. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. We only have 500 weeks to talk about it. <laughs> Unfortunately. The NFL script, that's exactly what they said was going to happen. That's right. All right. <laughs> We've got, uh, yeah, exactly. One of the scripts. One, one of the scripts that they, I've seen multiple scripts now yeah, from the one. NFL scripted party. These people know. See? They said it was 40 hours See, Ravens. See, I had it right here the whole year. <laughs> Me and all the other guys like, See, I told you there's going to be Lions <laughs> Chiefs. Fade or follow, bet the board, criticisms, compliments next on one of these We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. I'll fade. I'll fade. Money, 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 money. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Time for Fade or Follow. Wild Bill joins us for a second straight week because uh, Wild Bill cashed last week easily. Well, I mean, it was, it was tied at halftime. I shouldn't say necessarily easily. But easy. second half, the Ravens rolled. The game. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, Wild Bill, you cashed with the Ravens minus the nine and a half. How you doing this week? I'm good. I'm good. I was a little nervous last weekend, but uh, I knew I knew they pulled out. Well, good. We're gonna go <laughs> not right back to the well. We're actually gonna go with a Lamar Jackson prop play. And Carrie and I were kind of going through the plays, and we 
We're going back and forth on it. We wound up with Lamar Jackson's passing prop, which right now is 210.5. So we're going to take the over Lamar Jackson <laughs> passing yards. So he's got to throw for at least 211 passing yards on Sunday. Because Anthony hates unders. I do. I don't want to to sit there and, like, watch a game and play for an under. You want it to be be exciting when it's, you know, 198. You want a, what, 12 or 13-yard pass? Exactly. Exactly. You You can, you know what you can do? You can cash, you can cash an over in the first half. You know what you can't do? Cash an under. Cash an under until the damn game's (laughs) over. That's right. All right. So, Wild Bill, what would you like to do? Uh, I will. You guys had the over, so I'm gonna follow that. He's gonna. I say he throws for 273. Oh, I like it. 273. Okay, That's Lamar. Dub. All right. Well, all you need is 211 of that. But uh, if you do, you're gonna win. You're gonna win another fifty dollars of FanDuel's money. You're gonna be back next week. Sound good? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. All right. Excellent. There you go. That's fader foul. Have a great weekend, Wild Bill. All right. Time to bet the board now. Let's do it. Here on 101 ESPN. We already got. Jamie's pick. Jamie has the Panthers tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because remember, he started talking about the Kings yeah. and the Avalanche, and then he, he must have changed his Florida mind. Panthers. As he, yeah. yeah then he went that. Florida Panthers. Okay. Um, who do you want, Kerry? I, oh, I'm, I've been struggling with this basketball, but, but, <laughs> you're not going to like this pick. Yeah, so what? Lions. I am, I am going to go Dallas Mavericks versus the Atlanta Hawks tonight. The under oh boy. is 246. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Kyrie Irving isn't playing tonight, I don't think. He's got a sore wrist. Nice. So if he does play, <laughs> or a sore thumb, they whack that one time and get him up out of there. <laughs> we got to go with the under. Oh. The Dallas Mavericks and the Atlanta Hawks. Well, have fun yeah, with it's that. Have, be fun terrible. Wa- have fun watching it's that gonna one. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> Miserable, I tell you. And they're going to score 80 points in the first, 80-80 in the first <laughs> half. <laughs> well, this was a dumb pick. All right, Bradford for uh, Andrew Marsh since he didn't send in his. NFL indeed. Let's go to the NFC Championship game. I will handle a player prop here, gentlemen, and I'm focusing on the incredibly talented running back first round draft pick mind you for Detroit Jameer Gibbs we talked about earlier in the hour just how critical he is going to be to help Detroit keep this one even remotely close right now the number is set at three and a half as far as receptions he has recorded four in each of the past two games and whether Detroit is in the game throughout or playing from behind he is going to get enough dump offs to be able to have ample opportunities to roam free and keep this in mind san francisco this season has allowed the fifth most receptions to opposing running backs usually because the 49ers are so far out in front i will roll with gibbs to go over three and a half okay there you go all right i'm gonna keep it simple i'm just going with the ravens minus three and a half cover just the ravens cover minus three and a half this sounds like a solid pick there, Anthony. You would think, That's but probably you know, what I probably what I should have done. I've gotten cute with the prop plays. Yeah. Like it's last under. week, I I did some prop. Oh, I had the 49ers over 30, 30 and a half and points, a half. and <laughs> you got the 27 uh, or I just, 24. Should just went with the Ravens, who I liked. <laughs> so, yep, going with the Ravens minus three and a half, and then I'll sweat it out as Patrick Mahomes does his thing. But there you go. There's bet the board. 
Bradford, you got any criticisms and compliments? We have a lot of oh, comments. You know what? Uh, Sorry, before you before you go, yeah. I didn't forget. You didn't forget. You were looking at me. I'm like, he's looking at me for some reason. Carrie. Yes. Download the podcast if you'd like. Oh, yeah. After the show, if you missed it, missed the show today, download the podcast. Definitely what? thought you were waiting on me to tell you no, something. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what you missed. No, if you missed anything from today's show, you can download the podcast uh, at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There it is. All right, hey. go for it, Bradford. <laughs> all right, let's talk a little bit, guys, as well. I know the new routine of the show as far as awarding some stars as well. The people want their three stars at the conclusion of yes. the program, do, do they do. not? Yes. So we have just a couple of minutes left. I am going to ever so humbly give the third star to yours truly for the reason of not spending a full minute and a half to give you the biggest question of the day. So yes. start oh, number three. Nice. There you <laughs> go. Right. Assist to me. Get yes. yourself. Right. Humble. Okay. Rag. Wow. <laughs> and, that, and, the, and that one of all things to give it to you. All right. Yeah. Moving along, number two, we're going to give that to Jamie all the way out in Seattle for sidestepping what could have been a very thorny issue about running the clock. I will say nothing more about that. No. He listened carefully enough. Uh, he listened. He used right, his ears, right? Yes. yes. And number one Hell today goes to the esteemed Kerry Davis for hey. a dominant, dominant showing hey. in the gauntlet. Yeah, you no ran kidding. rough shot Thank you. over the competition. And Anthony, one of the things that Marsh did tell me before the show was that right now we have to uh, kind of keep you wanting in that regard. We have to keep <laughs> with you the, sharp. With the stars? Yeah. It's going yeah. gonna, gonna to yeah. happen. Well, I got it the happened, one. It I got happened the day one, he wasn't here. I wasn't here. Yeah, you didn't get to celebrate. I didn't. Well, listen, I didn't finish the show, so oh. yeah. Wow. But I appreciate you guys giving me the star. We gave you the star. We clapped for you, and then we... Thanks. Where where is he? He's not even here. He's in my bed. (laughs) Trying not to puke. Everybody was like, where's Stalter? (laughs) I don't know. know. When did he leave? I'm glad I made (laughs) such an impact on you guys. Hey, uh, we've got plenty of action coming up for you over the next three days. You've got Blues and Kraken pregame tonight starting at 8. And, of course, we've got the game for you. The puck will drop at 9. Florida State, North Carolina basketball pregame at 12:30 tomorrow got some nba as well nuggets 76ers with the pregame starting at four blues and kings on sunday pregame starting at noon and we've we have the nfc championship game between the 49ers and lions kickoff at 5 30 that'll do it for us for bradford bronze thank you for filling in today for andrew marsh for jamie rivers for carrie davis and anthony stoltz everybody have a great weekend thanks for listening see you You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.